Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, don't get it twisted when you click this title. We're going to talk about the animated adaptation. Because we switch between one movie, one comic. One movie, one comic. All right, so that's what we're talking about today is cartoons. Got to shout out our sponsor, Radar Toys. You can go to RadarToys.com and get free shipping in the U.S. and save 10% using the code BATFANPOD. B-A-T-F-A-N-P-O-D. All right? Now, we're going to dive into a pretty great retelling of the Frank Miller classic. We got... Peter Weller of RoboCop fame taking the mantle of the bat. This is The Dark Knight Returns. All right, let's do the show. Ben Polanski? Hello, my name is Ben Polanski. Evan? Hi, I'm Evan Edward Vaught. <laughs> All right, we did it this time. This is The Dark Knight Returns, the film version. This is directed by Jay Oliva, written by Bob Goodman, though... Pretty much word for word, Frank Miller. Starring Peter Weller, Ariel Winter as Carrie, our new Robin, David Selby as Gordon, Wade Williams returns, this time as Harvey Dent, Michael Emerson as the Joker, Gary Anthony Williams as the mutant leader, and Mark Valley as Superman. This was once again, like the last film, The Red Hood, under the Red Hood, I should say, was composed by Christopher Drake. That's the cast. All right. We open with uh, Bruce on a racetrack, recklessly crashing his car. He's not even concerned. No. He doesn't care. He's just looking for that thrill. Yeah. He, li- he lives dangerous like Ben lives right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Visiting restaurants, driving yeah. quickly on racetracks. Yeah, same thing, basically. But I also duck out at the last moment. Right when I see the coronavirus coming towards me, I... Then I hit the ejector button. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you see it coming towards you, yeah, that's when you put it in your, that's when you put it in your to-go box and take it home. <laughs> yeah, I have you. to go. <laughs> <laughs> is it I have to go or is I have to go? I have to go. Yes. I won't be sitting. That's awesome. <laughs> so we get Gordon sitting down with Bruce having a, a, a little heart-to-heart, and then we get our first glimpse of the mutant gang trying to mug him on his way home, which is a nice little scene. He wants it. This is a man who's starved for action. Yeah, they really, I mean, they kind of comment on it, but he is, especially this version of Batman. Like, spuds like into it. He's feet tall. Yeah. He's, he's bigger than the two of them put together. <laughs> yeah, he's wider, he's wider shoulder to shoulder than people are tall. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny if you were to, like, turn Carrie Kelly on her side, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Still yeah. not a full Batman. Yeah, no, she fit, like, and that's including her huge pompadour hair. <laughs> oh, man. I like that to take Frank Miller's stuff, or, or at least in this case, like, Batman's stature, and... Uh, to draw it differently is cool to me because that's one thing that the animated stuff always ends up putting that like new Bruce Tim twist on stuff. And obviously it's, this isn't uh, Frank Miller's squiggle lines and all that weirdness, but I do think that he created a, a cool looking Batman with his 
like super thighs and super calves and he's a real tube man yeah i think that i have so many mixed feelings about frank and kind of oh, like you good. said like crazy yeah yeah you know his crazy sketchy style you know and like um yeah. the way that i think of it is like he has kind of caveman style you know um yeah. in that it works so good for some things and then so wrong for other things and yeah, yeah. like but it, they're they're iconic designs i mean he's such a visionary you know yeah i think he's one of those guys that i mean we let him basically we're watching the animated version here and then in our next show you know we're going to talk about year one where he's just the writer but when you let this guy just write aside from all-star or certain moments i mean he he really uh paints a picture you know like and, and you can still use all those grim elements and stuff that he envisioned without necessarily having to be his crazy drawings all the time <laughs> his style is interesting it's certainly unique and it's really identifiable that treatment suits some characters way better than other ones. Yeah. You know, he could do like a good Punisher or the way that Bruce and Batman look in this is like how I picture Wolverine all the time. Yeah. You know, like very thick and very squatty kind of, <laughs> but you can't <laughs> apply that same thing to like every single, like you could well, draw. He, he does. And then you get like Wonder Woman who. Yeah. Also yeah. Yeah. Very... Yeah. Like why? Is she <laughs> so wrinkly. What? Is so hot? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, like Spider-Man is supposed to be limber and flexible. You can't draw him all lumpy. That's weird. Yeah, like blocky and weird. Yeah. Like, just draw the thing all the time. You're perfect. Yeah. I love this version of Batman. His The Me proportions too. of a Frank Miller character. Yeah. The only real negative I have to say about it is that it makes it even less likely that as soon as he started being Batman, someone didn't go, oh yeah, that's Bruce Wayne. He's six foot eight. <laughs> He's gigantic. There's only one guy who could possibly be all of these things. No that's one true. else is shaped like this. It's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> no one else is shaped like... Yeah, you could drape a cape over it, but like, that's just like putting a tablecloth over a car, you know? Like, you, it's, yeah. like I, look at the outline. Yeah. yeah. Still tell that's a truck. <laughs> Let's see, what else we got? We go into the cave. We see Jason's suit in the cave. In the book, that hasn't been written yet, so that's... I thought that was interesting there. because of timeline. Like, we've been talking so much about timeline in the 80s that I saw that and was like, ah, that's retroactive. And I like that. I think there's a lot of later Batman canon that they worked into this adaptation that I like a lot. Yeah. Because it is one of the most interesting things about Batman, as I've said many times, that you lost. You know, I was going to talk to you about that. You say the same shit a lot. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the important points stand. And also, I don't have to think of as much stuff to say. We have, <laughs> the same thing. We have Ben, Edgelord. Edgelord Joker halfway through this movie. Wait, we were, we were saying it in unison. I was going to say, we have Ben, Edgelord Joker, Polanski, and you actually said Edgelord Joker at the same time as me. That's funny. Are the mutants actually mutants in this, or are they just like weird people? They're just young people. Well, the guy is, but beyond that, they're just followers, you know? But I don't yeah, he's kind of he's a weird... A, I think he's just huge, and he has filed-down teeth. But I think he's still just a man. Huh. So he just did that shit uh, in some backroom dentistry office? Yeah, I mean, people do that same, in their life. Same place that Jack Napier went for his, uh, ah. you know, cosmetic uh, surgery. <laughs> the guy pulled out the big corkscrew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is some of my best work. <laughs> You see what I have to work with here. They're really sharp teeth. So as we're setting the scene, 
we get two notable characters kind of as an aside. We see that Joker is basically a vegetable, is being fed and medicated at the psychiatric hospital. And then we see Dent has his sort of mirror, you know, reveal where he is actually healed. He got plastic surgery. And actually, this guy does say it's some of my finest work, you know, like in both sides are the same. That's obviously you look like Evan Vaught. You're beautiful. <laughs> you, you, you've recuperated. Hit the streets. He's like, fucking hey, I think I should join a rap group. <laughs> Damn, you look good, dude. I'm about to kiss your mouth. Well, I like that they get to it right away with that. So they show when they show him in the hospital, do they then immediately cut to the news footage of him at a press conference? Or is there a little bit in between that? It seems like it's pretty quick to the point where he's. I don't think that, he's healed and then he disappears. I don't think that happens right away because then it cuts to um, you know Batman is like back up on the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. So um, yeah, Batman is back on the streets, um, kind of swooping in on gangs that we're not expecting to be found. You know, um, and then shortly after is when Batman has to stop. Two Face, and so it's like right in this same little opening montage that he has that uh, public meltdown moment. Um, but it's 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 kind of great though. I mean, just the idea of like, okay, we've healed you, and you know he doesn't believe it. Like he still sees, oh well, so I'm fucked up on both sides then. Oh, like, yeah. oh man, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about this book. And I'm still open to the idea that maybe we just misinterpreted All-Star Batman. We read it with the wrong mindset, <laughs> that the whole thing is just one big joke Satire. about Batman. And yeah. I don't because, know. <laughs> because, well, this, this version of it I love because it starts out and it's like, it's totally steeped in the 80s when it was written. Yeah. Like the fears of people and what people wanted from comic books and the reflection on what like comic book characters and heroes started as versus what they would be in that. 80s society. I mean, this is sort of to speak on another uh, Frank Miller property. This is sort of RoboCop Batman. If you think of the yeah. first one and the social commentary wrapped in that and just the tone of it, you know, it's very much that vibe. Well, and my favorite thing is that so if you, when, as you're just reading the beginning, it's like he's huge and He's way more brutal than most other versions of Batman. Yeah. Like that he's, but he's still like, he won't cross the line of killing, but he'll do basically everything up to that point, like paralyzing people. He's just extreme. He doesn't and give it's a like fuck. He, no, he doesn't care at all. And it, it is mm. because of, he's like, you know, he's 60. He's just over it all, but he still wants to be Batman because of his own messed up thing. Yeah. He's like, I but, miss hurting people. I miss the sound of a bone breaking in my hand. So yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a lot of, a lot of that's in the book and not really in this, which is probably an improvement. I still get that from this version of the character. Yeah. But I, I like as the story goes on, it's not just super buff guy beats up criminals, you know, outside the law. Because eventually he ends up fighting the cops yeah. and fighting Superman and, and basically by extension fighting Ronald Reagan. It's yeah, yeah. Like, it's, a, it's a commentary on the whole thing, but it doesn't feel like he's really picking sides. He's just kind of, they go after everything. Yeah. The whole idea that they're making fun of uh, the psychiatrist. And everyone just psychoanalyzing everything, and they all sound kind of dumb about it. Yeah. But a big chunk of this book is a legitimate look at Batman's psychology and the psychology of the villains, truly. Like, as you're saying, that 
Harvey sees himself now is just completely messed up. Yeah. Because really the problem's on the inside, not on the outside. So as much as they make fun of the psychology of analyzing comic book characters, that's the whole book. I like that they proposed that it, that um, Two-Face getting his face burned or whatever this origin is, it wasn't actually the catalyst for like the reemergence of this like other part of his psyche that it just existed the whole time. And, mm-hmm. and you know, he was, um, uh, he must've just been schizophrenic or something. And then, and then this accident is what like really sent it over the edge. Like, no, this just shows that it was there the whole time. And then the thought that these people were healing him and it was actually doing the exact opposite of what they wanted. And it had more to do with just the way that he saw himself anyways like the scars weren't really that was just superficial or didn't really matter to him anyways yeah. you know now he envisions himself as and the way that he's depicted in this it's, you know you only see you have your uh talking head news clip yep. picture like one time like this is past two-face the villain you know and then when they have that scene and and harvey's talking about like no you know both sides match and, and this version of him just looks like he just has like maggots on his face. He doesn't look like he's he doesn't look like he's a burn dude. He just looks like he has a rotting face. It's disgusting. Well, and yesterday I watched Warner's put up on their YouTube channel uh, this great full length documentary about the animated series called Heart of Batman. Uh-huh. It's really really good, and and they touched on the Two Face episode when they're talking about all their villain redesigns and and backstories and stuff and what they were trying to do with them and they talk Harvey, about no <laughs> well yeah they they talk about that scene when um he's first revealed to his fiance and they were screening it for an audience at a convention i i forget which one of the creators was speaking on it but he was like they cut to that shot and people gasp there's he's like i heard a woman full on just weeping in the crowd. You know, he's like, we, we tried to give these people like Shakespearean level, like backgrounds and, and make them really, truly sympathetic characters and not just some like Scooby-Doo villain. And, and, you know, that's, that's one of the great things about Two-Face. I don't think he's maybe the most utilized character, but, um, much like Bruce himself, he has such a great psychological, uh, baggage that he brings with him everywhere mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of stories overlook that as they do with a lot of the villains anyway because they just use them as like weird guy with half a face that's weird or crazy clown man like a lot of them look over that stuff but yeah that's exactly what makes him so interesting is that he's got a split personality like batman mm-hmm. yeah in this part he he sounds really sad too he he sounds like genuinely shook up and really conflicted too when he's having this you know he's he's down on the ground he's pretty much on his knees he's um he sounds like he's having a really rough time yeah i mean i can't imagine a late era two-face being anything but a very broken man <laughs> yeah for sure he'd really be struggling i'm sure do you think that this visually was like the inspiration for hush like when he comes back around and he's just all bandage face. Oh yeah, I caught that actually. It would be hard not to at least see some connection there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because you could be like, well, the mummy was inspiration for Hush. <laughs> but, but in this case, he's just, I mean, he's wearing a trench coat and 
has bandages on his face. Well, yeah, the whole pretty, idea is that you can't. Pretty see. straightforward. So you're wondering like what he looks like, and Batman comments on that like, "Oh, I know he must be self harming. I wonder what he did to his face." Yeah, and then he watches the kind of same normal. thing. Normal. Yeah, I think that if I'm remembering right, though, Harvey was a big red herring in that story. Uh, and hush. Yeah, I thought I thought he was either that or maybe they end up using him in the animated adaptation. I forget, but yeah, there's definitely. Uh, a strong connective tissue there. Anyone who writes Batman has read The Dark Knight Returns, so everyone is familiar with that imagery. Yeah. Fiction. There's a great scene where Gordon is at a convenience store. Actually, there's a little Easter egg there. There's a Swamp Thing comic on the rack. Oh, yeah, I and saw that. And then when they show it again, it's a wider shot, and there's V for Vendetta up there, too, on the newsstand. Yeah, there's um, multiple. There's the, Watch, Watchmen, Swamp yeah. Thing, Sandman, and V for Vendetta. That nice. I could recognize. Like, we like Alan Moore. Yep. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't they have been like Frank's titles? That's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, man, we're working on this classic, but do you know who's even better? <laughs> like, no, it's just All Star Batman, issue one. Issue <laughs> <laughs> hey, the sweet back tattoo. Like, I mean, the other covers were pretty good, though. The oh. of like Batman and Robin swooping in, you know, on the All Star issues. Those are pretty good covers. Better yeah. than better than the Joker with a dragon on his back. Yes, huh. unquestionably debatable. Um, I, in that same way, we're like watching this made me think that we we just completely had the wrong mindset again reading All Star Batman. <laughs> <Robin. laughs> disappointed so i took another look um but when i think of even though we hardly see that joker do anything because they never went further with the story like how much is the joker in this different from that joker yeah it seems like the main difference is that we see this one do stuff we're skipping ahead to the part two of the the, well we can hold it back the films here but i mean but yeah i mean this joker is so much set up and I don't want to say very little payoff because it's obviously like an iconic couple of scenes that have been very influential, but it was such a small part in the grand story, you know, mm-hmm. th- that uh, I also don't feel like we get to know him super well. I have other things I want to get on when, once we get that far, but I don't fully understand his motivations going into his story arc. I think he only exists as a foil and reflection of Batman. Totally, yeah. That, yeah. That's Which, I mean, in the story. It's like he doesn't he doesn't exist until Batman comes back. Yeah, I and, think and that's great. And the whole great. thing only serves to me to sort of be what could be the jump-off point in a different story or a different set of comics or like Gotham's new history. You know, Batman's been gone. Batman comes back. He squashes these guys, takes out this dude, gets the ball rolling on some other stuff and trains a bunch of dudes with painted faces. And <laughs> so it's just, it's like the beginning of a story that could be another story. And it feels kind of weird to have the Joker be so short lasting, you know, just like some rando character for a mm. couple issues. I mean, but it's kind of like Harvey was used in the same way, honestly. Yeah. I think it's more like, he knows that we know who these characters are. So if you throw this on the end of all of Batman's history, it's one big story. Yeah. This being the the end of it, not a random one shot. You know, this isn't, uh, 
this is like hardly even a reemergence of these characters. It's just like, oh, this uh, this gets going again because Gotham needs it. He gets his stuff going, but he <laughs> takes out this other dude and then passes the torch to all these other people. Yeah, I mean, what's kind of great about it is this, just on its own, if you ignore Strikes Again and, and Master Race or Batman Beyond, you know, if you just read this by itself, you know, because at the time it was written, none of those things existed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the the perfect ending. You know, maybe it's not a perfect story, but it's kind of the perfect mm-hmm. ending if you just think about like, man, how would this play out? You know, after all this mm-hmm. time, like, like what what would happen uh, in this world? And he was just like, well, they'd fucking go out with a bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. He'd actually kill this dude. And then stop doing stuff again. In that same way that I was saying that, like, I like how who they go after in terms of the story is not as predictable as you think. It's not just him brutalizing criminals. Yeah. I like that the whole point of the story is him showing the people that they can do something on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that having the end be empowering other people. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we're done then. So, um. <laughs> uh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, too, that this just shows another aspect of Batman and Joker's relationship. How when, as soon as Batman's non-existent anymore, and I wonder why he even really stopped doing stuff in the first place. Uh, but then all of a sudden, Joker's just like so bored that he just has to not talk to anybody anymore. He's like, yeah, I'm cool to get locked up. I don't have anything to do anymore. If this guy's not active, then I'm not active. That's how much I love him. Uh, you and know, in the commentary of the book, when like when these silly doctors, you know, talking about how Batman's the cause of all these people, and you're supposed to think like he's kind of an idiot, mm-hmm. but but they also he is the cause of all these people, or at least some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Joker doesn't have anything to do if his buddy's not around. Yeah, his love. I mean, there's a little bit of like the love stuff that they toned down from the book, but mm-hmm. he's definitely in love with Batman. Yeah, for sure. They it, like. Which came first, don't know. Batman has less to do if Joker's not around, but Joker doesn't have anything to do if Batman's not around, so they're racing cars and sitting in sand <laughs> asylums. Yeah, you could definitely see where uh, Sean Murphy jumped off with his Joker, you know. Totally. So I want to go back to that scene, though. I would like to jump to Dark Knight, uh, the next book, if we can just jump past all this and go to the next book. All right, so now we're doing strikes again. Yeah, this yeah. is Sparta! <laughs> and it's just uh, it's just 75% talking heads. And crazy colors and very, very weirdly composed pages. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks like stuff. it looks like if you're reading a comic without your glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fuck you. Back. Back to the story. Um, I really like the scene at the convenience store because of what they do off camera. You know, I think that it's easy to show us a standoff. You know, we see the gang spots Gordon inside and that he's armed and that Gordon's not ready. And so immediately cut to the outside, we hear a gunshot. We don't see anything. And then they cut to the news and the lady's like, oh, this just in. Commissioner Gordon has been shot by a mutant gang. Wait, 
No, Commissioner Gordon has shot a mutant <laughs> gang member. <laughs> uh, you really have to watch your wording of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, though, like someone who works on live TV and they just hand you some handwritten shit and you're like, what the fuck is... Uh, my bad. I think that's the beginning of multiple like fake outs where you think something bad is going to happen to Gordon. And it's just like... Something bad's gonna happen to everyone else. Yeah, it's not him. Yeah, and then when he writes year one, we realize, oh, he loves Gordon. He wouldn't do that to him. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so we get the. Uh, <laughs> this is my note. It says Batman ambushes the mutant rally with a tank. In parentheses, God, I love the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's humongous. This whole, like that thing. It's gigantic. This whole scene is kind of like um, when we did the TMNT crossover episode, and there's this humongous, crazy action piece, and you're like, wait, we're only like halfway through the movie. You know, it's like this is such an epic, like finale kind of showdown, and it's like the first third of the story. Yeah. You know, it's fucking great, and it's. Goddamn grenades and you know he electrocutes all the dudes on the roof of the. I think the, a lot of those guys died. Oh yeah, some of it is in line with this Batman. <laughs> yeah, like, as long as I didn't kill him, it's well, okay. It's if funny because it's like rubber bullets, you know. Yeah. But uh, like well, instead of a cannon. <laughs> yeah, but also yeah. like there are real explosions and real electrocutions and he's shooting some of the real explosives at them. And also those rubber bullets seem to be exploding themselves. Well, well and also like we've seen uh, at these protests what rubber bullets shot directly at motherfuckers really do. From you know, a normal size gun. Yeah, not a cannon. Yeah, on a tank. Not yeah, from a bad cannon. That I feel like is a, a, an easy way for someone who has never thought about it. Probably the first time I read that book, I thought, "Oh, rubber bullets." You know, no, they're like safe. they're fine. Word. You know, it was like, no, a lot of these motherfuckers are now missing eyes and teeth, and you know. Yeah, but is, but he's still, not <laughs> this Batman. I'm sure he's like, well, they're not dead, so uh, they'll live. Probably. They couldn't get any uglier anyways. <laughs> uh, plus, a lot of these dudes have spikes mounted to their heads. Like, if you got shocked by something, it would just conduct in all your in your metal parts and hurt you even more. Well, there's That's that true. first guy that he fights when he's saving Carrie Kelly in the arcade. And he the throws neons, him up in yeah. yeah. And That's it so awesome. like he was electrocuted you know, to death. Not shocked, but electrocuted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. But I don't think he was in terms of story. Hey, whatever you got to tell yourself. I, I personally, <laughs> I don't care. That doesn't make or break it for me. I like a brutal Batman. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that this is also, this is a brutal Batman who also makes the point of not killing people and talking about it. Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes he's, like, eh, he's not, save them he, all. He's not narrating every single thing he does. I shot that guy with a rubber bullet with 300 pounds of force. <laughs> Shock. I knew that that neon sign volts. was only powered with yeah, with with only eight hundred volts, not a thousand. So <laughs> yeah, but he got mercury poisoning from the neon. Yeah, from, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, he'll live. The mutant design in this is so iconic yeah. to me. The whole red line visor thing—that's that's so cool. And it Cyclops. really lends itself to uh, silhouetted shots where it's just black outlines and just red lines and stuff. Mm. That's so cool. Anytime they have their threats on the news, 
which just yeah. the visors. Just the visor. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I love them as a villain because they they stand for nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're completely violent. They don't care like if they get hurt. They don't want to get hurt, but they don't care. And they're a great first act villain for this Batman because they're purely physical. Which uh, a, again, the leader. again, just a perfect like '80s depiction of crime. Yeah. You know. And yeah, how people looked at like especially youth crime, like oh, they're just violent. There, there's nothing behind it. They're just as if I mean, criminals do fucked up shit, but there's usually a line you can trace to how they got there. Well, it's but like this, what were we just saying about Harvey Dent? What were we just saying about the Joker? You know, and like the psychology there. And yet, in this same story, we have these people with no motive other than just fuck shit up, slice and dice. But yeah. Batman does not. I mean, he he hurts a lot of them very badly, but he doesn't like defeat them and throw them away. He he gives them something to believe in and something to work for. Yeah. I mean, he that's that's what I mean when I, I just like that it it switches what you would expect it to be. These pointless. I mean, these they like they kidnapped kids and killed them, but he's still like, well, but some of them are okay. I just gotta give them. I just gotta take them on a boy scout trip. Yeah. Gotta like climb mountains and stuff, and then we're good. You know, just structure. I just got to make him eat some rats and then it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, but then you have like uh, the ones you couldn't save that uh, run off to uh, Bruno Nazi tits. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like when Bernie lost the primary, you know, and then they some of his followers voted for 45. And you're like, how the fuck did. All right, sure. Whatever. Yeah, they just needed something. It'd be hard to, person to tell him what to do. Yep. It'd be hard to not be enticed by that woman anyway. <laughs> so they're sweet monster jugs. I don't know. I'm not, um, not really a fan yeah, of the fake ones, you know? They're just like, they look like fully inflated balloons, you know? Yeah, oh, that's great. No. Yeah, they look like uh, no. half of a kid's soccer ball or something. <laughs> uh, the other thing I like about the mutants is that he made sort of this cartoon subculture in the kind of like the warriors or like, like the droogs in clockwork orange where they have for some, it's just a totally different subculture of really bored youth who don't know what to do except like destroy stuff, but they all have their, uh, like they created their own language. It's cool. Yeah. And I like that. that, Cause in that same way of like, it's not, it's not judgmental in the sense that, so all the gangs, they all talk in that way. Like, man, they don't shoot. I got, you know, Mm -hmm. like the pipe or whatever they, all that stuff. It's not just the bad ones that say that. Because Carrie Kelly and her friends at school, they all talk like that too. Yeah. It's just like that's how young people talk in this world. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not just like, oh man, those criminals and the way they talk, that's bad. That's actually the only con I had for this whole thing is I hate the made-up slang. I, oh, God. It's it, better in text because when you have these actors... yeah. You have actors repeating fake made-up youth dialogue from 30 years ago. Yeah. And not like, they don't have, it doesn't seem like their hearts are fully in it. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't come across super well. But when you read it, it's just supposed to be a placeholder for like I mean, should they future have, kids. Should they have updated it? Now that it is 30 years later, should they have updated it with just like, you know, fucking on fleek and dumb shit like that you know like <laughs> no, like oh yeah come to the pipe I, it's gonna be lit no I mean, regardless it's supposed to be the future future anyways he's making something that we wouldn't even encounter for another who knows how many years so you, you can't you can't transplant it with it's supposed to be weird and alien to us yeah, yeah. it's just also not sold all the way yeah. yeah i mean it's possible that the stuff that 
this book exists in what would be current times right now, and none of those kids are saying lit or dope. Like the music <laughs> don't talk like the kids talk. Yeah, yeah. lit, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regardless, I think they would just never talk how anybody ever talks. It's just whatever it is, it has to be made up. Yeah. And if I you like don't it. like Slice and Dice, you just don't like Slice and Dice. Yeah, <laughs> not once does Batman go, oh, these kids, don't say Slice and Dice, speak the Queen's English. Like, there's no, there's no commentary on it. Bam, rubber bullets. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we see more of that. I mean, I. it seems like the way they talk in Batman Beyond comes from this a little bit. They all have their own youth slang, which I don't remember, but I know it's a bunch of weird made-up stuff also. Huh. I, have you guys I haven't ever seen, seen the, too much of uh, that, so it doesn't ring a bell. Have you guys ever seen the beginning of Samurai Jack? Like when he first goes into the future? No. Yes. He, yeah, he encounters these three characters that just do this whole like super jive talk, just this future jive talk. It's kind of like that. He's like a white guy in his 40s. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not like they were shooting for something. It's, the same, it's the same dude who made Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah, no, no I love Samurai Jack. It's, it's a fucking cartoon. And no, it's just the punk like band. The, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Hanging out by the dump. So when uh, Batman gets his ass handed to him by the mutant leader, I notice that he grabs a crowbar in the scrapyard yeah. there. And I was like, oh, shit, was that in the original book? Because this was prior to a death in the family. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of a, a similar shot to him getting the royal shit kicked out of him. As what we was, got like a year later. I don't know. I, I actually uh, don't have those books anymore. I don't know. I have them like right over there. Mm. I've but, never read it. But yeah, it crossed my mind. Well, because like, we talked about Nevin, you had pointed out like uh, how brutal it is for a person to be hit with a piece of metal over and over. Yeah. And how in like in a, a death in the family, it's all discretion. Like you don't see any of it. And this, it was just like like everything else extremely brutal because it's a super yeah. flat shot mm -hmm. he's just standing over him he's just hitting him repeatedly yep. in the side and it just and the only rough. thing that makes him slightly less destructive is that both of these guys are so thick they don't have jason's little boy bones you know? yeah they have more muscle than anything else yeah so they'd be able to like take some more of the impact without um you know fracturing their forearms and stuff that's true but i mean oh, still he gets you. fucked up yeah, yeah. Yeah, he gets Dude. real fucked up. Yeah. I, I like that in their first fight that, I mean, really the only way he even escapes is that Carrie just blinds the dude, you know? For sure. Like there was no swooping in and, oh, I got this last move or whatever. And, and as I was uh, trying to put together like my Easter eggs list, I thought, you know, the two fights are very much like the Bane fights in The Dark Knight Rises, you know, like the way this this plays out, that when they go hand-to-hand, -hand, if you remove all the, the tank stuff and just have that hand-to-hand -hand scene um, in the scrapyard, I mean, uh, it is merciless. He was unprepared. He was out of shape. and yeah. uh, he underestimated his opponent. Big time. And, sure. and he's just like, pure pride like i i have to know you know and and it's the mm -hmm. same thing of like you know their conversation over the radio uh 
you know, Alfred going like, look at him. You're, he's in his prime. You can't. You know, it's the yeah. same shit of Michael Caine, Alfred, watching the playback footage from the stock market going. Listen to that accent. You don't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> he talks weird. He's, he's, he's going to kick your butt. <laughs> he's like, look at this force, this training. I see Ra's al Ghul incarnate uh, or reincarnated or whatever. You know, I see the League of Shadows. You know, it's that same sort of conversation. I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. And then when they throw down again at the end and you get the like the mud pit scene it was very much like when he comes back at the end of uh, dark knight rises and the tables have turned really nothing has changed there's still the same two guys fighting hand to hand but yeah. the mentality the preparedness you know the ego check yeah. you know has all shifted so I definitely think Christopher Nolan took a lot from Dark Knight Returns for not just for this, but also for Dark Knight. Just he, he leaned on the book a lot in a good way. Yeah. But in this story, in the Dark Knight Returns, the first fight with the mutant leader and then the second fight, I think is set up really well and paid off really well. Oh yeah. Whereas that Dark Knight Rises one, I don't think is because like Batman comes well, no, out of the, retirement. The payoff of the payoff of the uh, the rematch is totally different because I mean that one sort of does have Catwoman swoop in like Carrie Kelly swoops in in the first fight. So I mean, it's a totally different it's like, thing. The only thing the only thing that changed between the first Bane fight and the second Bane fight is that Batman had his back broken. Yeah, like and then he just goes in and fights him again hand to hand. It's just we're in this like he he wants to fight the mutant the mutant leader hand to hand to prove to himself that he's still capable. Yeah, because again that's that's the big thing of of uh, who Batman is. It's not just that he's smart and he's skilled. It's that he is physically superior yeah. in terms of his skill and his ability to fight people. That's why he can, he can fight a group of people that an, a, a whole army couldn't take down. It, it's not that I'm rich and I'm better than you. It's I'm rich and I'm bigger than you too. <laughs> and I practice <laughs> punching people a lot and dodging, <laughs> jumping, all that. But so he has the first fight and he, he is not what he once was. He cannot take this guy in a, in a regular matchup. Yeah, but so he goes. He has his little naked jaunt in the cave to see the hallucinatory bat come at him and pump him up and get him psyched. Gotta get he, naked. Yeah, gotta get <laughs> naked. You gotta connect with nature. See, and, that must be where Lee Bermejo got it. <laughs> oh, the nudity. Okay, for, for, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bat dick. <laughs> we didn't get to see it. <laughs> but so when he goes to fight him the second time, it's not just like now I have tricks up my sleeve. It's just I'm just going to even the playing field a little bit. Yep. But I'm still the superior fighter. I just need to level it a little bit and use my brain to, to, to the advantage in this situation. But it's still, I'm a better fighter than this guy. Last time, I just didn't think it through. I didn't plan. I underestimated him. Yeah. But I can still, I can still take down a giant human in a fight if I have to. And it's not just that. It's that I am as brutal as him or more brutal. That same thing of like, he, he, he can be a monster just like them. Yeah, and I, th I think that that is, uh, in my notes here, I wrote, greatest Batman line ever? The, you don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's yeah. an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. And it's like, again, there's no gadgets. There's no tricks. There's just the surprise value of it. You know, Gordon unlocks the dude's cell. And he climbs through the biggest air vents yeah. ever created. <laughs> I, I was thinking, like, how do those... I mean, where where is this jail? Where's the prison cell? <laughs> it's right by the big pipe. Yeah, yeah. and how does, how does the ducting system run all the way to this mud pit? 
But how long is this and how is it so directly right to this place? You're too much of like a builder, you know. I, like I, I none of that <laughs> shit. I, none of that shit occurred to me. Yeah, yeah. No, ducting is usually just in the building that you're in. Yeah, I don't know. Never, I, never I, occurred I do, to me. I've got a little commentary on that too. I really appreciated that, especially having watched like Ninja Turtles before this, and the fights are so dynamic and choreographed. Yeah. And it's like ninjas versus ninjas and shit. And this isn't. This is like just two different rounds and even with the stuff with joker other but the joker stuff includes guns too but this is just like a street fight or if you watched ufc and other mixed martial arts uh like you just put two dudes together and one of them needs to die or nearly die and you and you have to like put i mean not not actually in ufc obviously but in this scenario in batman versus the mutant leader like one of them needs to die here and with the exception of the crowbar, you, I mean, how far would you take it and how hard would it be to like take a person's life with your own hands? And these fights are just as impactful as like Batman versus Shredder, only this is just punching each other's ribs into oblivion. And the one thing later on too, uh, in the second fight, is that Batman starts to implement grappling and jujitsu and stuff and Focus like strikes to like hitting the same exact spot over and over yeah, yeah. So or, the, or the what, what was that like just the right cut the kind exactly. that bleeds yeah you know? exactly yeah. he knows stuff that the mutant leader doesn't the mutant yeah. leader is a big strong dude and that is enough for him to win against most everybody but he yeah, doesn't if, actually if have punch each other in the face over and over batman's not exactly. gonna win yeah for sure uh, so that means that like he has to start, he has a better plan. And, and that's honestly how it would be too. If you just slap two dudes out on the street, uh, like jujitsu is the means of like incapacitating or killing people with like the least damage to yourself possible. Mm. You just like manipulate their body and you just make it so they can't do anything anymore. They just can't breathe. I mean, choking a person out is like the, it's not the easiest thing that you could do, but it resolves the conflict the most quickly so he just starts taking out the dude's joints you know like it the mutant leader is just a huge boxer and that's all he's got so and he's that's fast i mean he does some like yeah they animate him to be very threatening in terms of his fighting and it, and it comes across that he is a real challenge for batman yeah but i remember that from the book and they they translated it to the animation so well it's that particular scene before he paralyzes his arm mm-hmm. where he like he hits him in the shoulder like four or five times in a yeah. row and like dodging in between. And he just keeps going back to that same spot. And like so many of these action scenes in this film, they, it's just a, like a steady shot. They don't cut away. They don't switch angles. Yeah. So you really see how focused in he is on that. And it just, it trans, it, it, uh, it conveys how good of a fighter he is and that you just needed to think about it. And yeah, it, again, it just reminds you that, uh, even when we are just watching a, uh, superhero slugfest that the reason Batman is, you know, top of the food chain in these situations is still because of his intellect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he knows what other people don't. They do such a good job making everything so impactful in oh, this. Yeah. Like when Batman first comes back and he rips the dude out of the car and tears that guy's yeah. body up. Those punches sound so thunderous. Like, those are Superman-level sounding punches. Yeah. And they're just coming from him, but they sound so rad. And then same thing in this. They 
everything's just like crash, crash is so huge. Think about how long he had been waiting to punch someone again. Yeah. He needed that rush. <laughs> that sadistic rush. Like, oh man. <laughs> What if the first time he goes to punch somebody and his like old man calcium deficiency really starts to he's like this is it sucker and then he just like breaks his own wrist like never the elbow shattered. yeah yeah no the but the speed that they're fighting and uh, hitting each other despite being two huge dudes is another thing that I thought was conveyed really really well like I believe that these guys who really probably shouldn't move that fast could move that fast and some uh, of that like in that first Bane fight in Dark Knight Rises have that same element. Yeah. Although Tom Hardy's not very big, but they kind of made him look big. Well, and I think it's it still makes sense to me anyways, because that's the difference between, like, if you ever went to school with a kid who was big for, like, an 18-year-old, they were just, like, a big-bodied kid. Mm. Or if or you have some people who are who have the exact same proportions as, like, a small athletic person, only they're a huge athletic person. Mm. Uh, because you have... You have mixed martial arts again you have dudes like heavyweight is just a weight class so you could be a fatty or you could be the trimmest 300 pound dude in the world and Uh that version of a person is like incredibly strong and incredibly athletic and they're not slower for being huge they have huge muscles like if you're that big that means your pec can be this big and your legs can be that much bigger you potentially can be you know incredibly fast and incredibly destructive and everybody's slow when they're thigh deep in the mud. Yeah. Man, if, if I was the mutant leader, I would have uh, just given Batman a hug with my metal nipples and stabbed him in the chest. How can you never use those bad boys? Just for sex, not for fighting. Oh, it's just some kinky stuff. It's because he uses clamps so often. Uh, mutant leader played by Uncle Ruckus. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. He was somebody's dad, Malcolm in the Middle. He's a comedic actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but he's also Uncle Ruckus. That's great. I saw in the credits that Bruce Tim is Thomas Wayne. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I was like, what? What are you going to do when you catch that rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> when Carrie comes in and, and saves Batman, it, it really hit me like, oh shit, you could have died. This could have just been the end of the cartoon right yep. here. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I do this. Because sometimes you have stuff just seems like it. Maybe there wasn't all that much on the line and somebody just tosses a smoke ball and they just dip out and it wasn't really as harrowing. You know, you didn't almost maybe die. But in this, I really got the feeling they're like, yeah, you really almost died and that girl saved your life. Yeah. <laughs> you could toss a smoke bomb and then the smoke would clear and he'd still just be lying on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. he'd, he'd move like six inches of like fucking army <laughs> crawl. <with> one arm. <laughs> He just looks over his shoulder like, ah. I really like that because there's the recurring theme in this story. It's almost a reversal of normal Robin stories where Robin is reckless mm. and Batman has to save him and then chastise him. Whereas like this, Batman Ooh. is reckless and Robin keeps disobeying him yeah, to yeah. save him. And it works. And he's like, thanks. That was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, he, always, he always likes it too. He's yeah. like, Deviate and her? you are fired. Yeah. <laughs> so many times he tells her she's going to get fired. every time. But also yeah. thanks. Yeah, every time he's into it. When, after she saves him, he's up on the he's on the table and he has to he needs a splint to help his arm and she just Oh yes. Yeah. She just kicks a metal pipe on the inside of the vehicle and I was thinking like how did you know that that wasn't crucial? Uh, <laughs> like, like, and there's not like a lot of things 
<laughs> like Starts yeah, coming I would, gasoline in the chamber. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't ever like open the hood of my car and be like, "Eeny meeny, that doesn't look important." <laughs> <or something. laughs> like, I, I get it. It makes a good splint because so it's uh, it's a pipe or something. But I can only assume that it's there for a reason, and it is part of the mechanics. Batman's just in the steampunk design. Like all that stuff is pointless on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's for so sure. funny. One thing I really liked with Carrie's character was when he uses her to go undercover and bait everybody mm-hmm. to go to the pipe. I thought that that was just really clever writing, having her walk out all cocky like the assumption, like, oh, yeah, you guys are down. That's why um, you're fucking here and not where everyone's supposed to be. You don't even slam at the pipe. I don't shiv. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool that he plants that little uh, that little seed. To, to get the ball going. She is to do that. For sure. Yeah, it's a really smart move. She speaks the language. I also really like the scene that we overlooked where the mayor feels like he has to, uh, I got to handle this myself. That's what the polls say, you know? And fucking, <laughs> you know, they just let him go in there alone, unsupervised with the leader and get, I don't know, eaten, shredded up, whatever. Because his neck chewed out. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is a terrible world. Yeah, and it's not just bad. It's like people don't think all that much. They don't think about the right things, and then they get their neck chewed out. I bet Gordon just didn't like that dude, and he was like, "Good, <laughs> fuck it, go in there." I'm seventy. I'm almost done with this thing. I don't care. <laughs> what, what I like is that it, it it's so <laughs> it happens so quickly. There's not like a couple of minutes where they have a conversation, and he attempts to um, <laughs> like seduce him or make it seem like something dangerous we isn't gonna city together yeah yeah exactly like there's no conversation there's no oh no i'm totally not gonna hurt you or anything like that it's like as soon as the dude turns around he's like yes thank you i'm helping. <laughs> i'm gonna do exactly what you didn't want me to do like instantly actually so i watched the deluxe edition where it's just one seamless edit now Ooh. i know i know ev has both DVDs one and two. Ben, what did you watch? I watched the deluxe edition. Okay. So, Evan, let me ask you this. Yep. At the end, what is... Is there a cliffhanger when Joker is overhearing the Batman chatter after the, the mud hole fight and the Sons of Batman thing starts? He's in the asylum. He's hearing this on the TV behind him, and then he starts to... Like finger tapping. Yeah, stuff. yeah. He starts to move, and I, and I feel like... If I remember right, that that was sort of the cliffhanger on number one. Is that right? Yeah, it's like it it pretty much ends in the same place that the next one starts. Like it just picks up again from there, right? That well, mine was all one piece, so I'm asking uh, asking yeah, what you I saw. I have to look, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's how it goes. It's it like ends with Joker in front of the TV, and then the next Batman, one starts with Darling. <laughs> And this isn't Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> well, and then it it continues as we watch the uh, the the gang splinter off. You have the the Sons of Batman, which again was drawn on in the Dark Knight as you know the copycats in the beginning of the film. You know, are are you the real Batman? You know that whole fucking shit. God, I say fuck a lot. We have this story. great That's scene. Can't get any good sponsorships. You can't get like the take that radar. <laughs> Money is broad. You can't curse if you want the big money. 
Oh. Yeah, how are you ever going to get like those Girl Scout sponsorships if you're dropping bombs off of the Yeah, I want free Thin Mints, man. I hate mint. Well, I fucking hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Big shout out to Radar Toys. Thank you for the continued support. (laughs) Thanks for the cookies. (laughs) They didn't give us cookies. (laughs) I bought a rubber coin bank from them. What was it? That's an exciting story. <laughs> was that right. the was that the beginning, got, middle, I and got end? My hand retrieving clothes from the medicine cabinet. I bought. It's like a cool bust about this big. It no says, one can see your hands. Five well, and a half I'm, inches. Uh, maybe more than that. Oh, but it says six a spider Gwen. How long is your dick? Coin bank. Oh, let me get close so it looks bigger. <laughs> Spider Gwen. <laughs> Three Spider centimeters? Gwen to go with a, a Venom one I already had. Nice. Nice. I uh, had a good selection. I called them yesterday so I can get my hands on uh, three Jokers and also the uh, Joker 80th because I just been I had been at work so much I hadn't got to get out and um, they sold through them but they they said they could still get me a Capullo one. I wanted that Bermejo but uh, they they said they could still get me a Capullo so. Man, I think you'd get like top slot at that place. I mean, you I wouldn't curse so much. Maybe they treat you. Better. Yeah, son of a bitch. I see. I didn't have a a sub box until now. They just set one up for me because I don't really buy monthlies. I buy like you know the trades Drinks. when it's all put yeah. together, and so it didn't really make sense for me to have a sub box. But now I do. So suck on that. Are you talking about titles or are you talking about like figures? Yeah, for for comics. Okay. The whole time I, I was, I'm, I thought you were talking about like memorabilia because Ben was talking banks, and you're talking about Joker. I assume you're talking about like some figure. No, you're no, the, the limited covers of those. Yeah, they had like six gotcha. versions or something. Man, there was some really good ones. I think the first one I saw was Jock, that like purple cover, and I, I think it was sort of a Dark Knight Returns thing because he had, didn't he have the batarang in his face? It's like a New Fifty Two Joker with the shredded you know reattached face but i think he had the batarang sticking out of his face too um that's cool but yeah there was there were some really good ones there was just is that the like what the red hood masking thing oh no see that that was fabric that's uh three jokers that's the new jeff johns jason fabric thing that's going to come out in august i think and uh like yeah they just unveiled like i think he's got three variants per issue and it's a three story arc so it's like nine variants um but uh yeah i asked them uh to give me that red hood one so i i I hope i get it i yeah that was awesome (laughs) fucking looks amazing and he's like yeah we basically took the same proportion the same close-up distance the same lighting and then just go through everything from you know red hood death in the family just like all the way down all the iconic joker shots recreated and god they look so good that's cool i like that well back to frank miller um yeah yeah, we were talking about a a movie right (laughs) i think um so we got this great undercover scene where batman is disguised Frank Miller likes the Batman disguise. We had we're going to talk about it in year one as well, but this time he's uh, somehow shrunk his massive physique into no, the, a hunching old lady. He's the largest small old lady ever. Yeah, <laughs> like a linebacker. Hey, I mean, big giant fat people get old too, so <laughs> you know, 
can't a lot discriminate. Of men died when they're young. <laughs> That's true. Also, you both bring up good points. Yeah, uh, this is getting weird. But speaking of <laughs> speaking of weird, uh, that's when we have the whole uh, Bruno Nazi tits yeah! gang robbing a liquor store with a Ron and Rob and Don, Rod and Don. Uh, what are their names? Rob and Don. Rob and Don. Yeah, they're yeah. they're now. Oh yeah, they've been converted. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are just like the biggest group of followers I've ever seen in my entire life. Like they're just what they can't. No decisions for themselves. They have to have some sort of leader. They're just waiting yeah. for the next thing. I think they are the average American. <laughs> yeah. It's commentary. Yeah, but these people seem kind of active, and that's kind of contrary to a lot of Americans. I mean, hey, I was going to make fun of them, but look, I'm wearing a uh, Sam I Am t-shirt. I was like, those dumb idiots even wear their fucking names on their shirts and shit. <laughs> and, and here that's I am true. doing the same thing. Is that so you don't forget? Yeah, sometimes I do. Uh, I can remember was, lots of. Uh, I can remember. Oh, it's a freaking mirror. <laughs> okay. I remember lots of uh, Batman and uh, music trivia, but I forget my own identity from time to time. You can only have so much room, and not everything is important. Exactly, lyrics way more important than me. Identity. Yeah. So I have to have a decent vocabulary so that I can make puns, <laughs> and I can't remember anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but wordplay. That's all I got left. Eh. I like that this whole sequence, he never, like, pulls off the disguise and then fights as Batman. Like, just this whole fucking long-ass thing. He's still the old lady the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she gets knocked around a bit, too. This is when we get, uh, yeah, that, the integrity of that disguise is worth, it's, it's notable. Uh, but, yeah, then Superman shows up. And this is when it starts to get... Weird. Really, the second half is the the weird shit, you know? The mutant stuff uh, is a little unusual for Gotham, but uh, again, like, your reading of it, well, this is just some big crazy guy who filed his teeth. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah. Now I don't think it's not a literal mutant. It's just, it's, because the, the whole idea behind the series was they're like, this character was written 40 years ago. Well, this is from the birth of punk rock, too. I mean, maybe he's just like look a guy like this, you know? He, like also, he, they can't really... He does this to himself, his own appearance. They, they can't super be mutants anyways because you have, like, Rob and Don specifically being so extreme-looking before with the visors and the spikes and stuff, and then yeah. they're in the bar, and they just look like... They're just blonde-haired, blue-eyed dudes. Yeah. Uh, so they had they had the ability to grow hair the whole time. So I can I, I feel like mutant is the name of the gang rather than the type of people there. Yeah. Because young people are mutants. They're so <laughs> different from the rest of us. Sweet. So pointless and angry. So this is when we get this awesome scene where uh, Todd Phillips sort of drew on this uh, with the Murray Franklin show. In the Hangover. In the Hangover, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk about the movie um, uh, Old School for a little while, where Vince Vaughn worked at the Circuit City, and uh, there was this great sequence where, no, but we have Dr. Wolper immediately seeing Joker is like speaking again, and was like, you know, I just got back from a TV show. Would you like to go on the TV show? People would love to hear what you have to say. I'm like, you fucking clown. And then, obviously... Uh, he goes on the uh, Conan O'Brien show. Um, David Endocrine. Thought yeah. that was a good cameo. And oh, then yeah. um, he's got his gas balloons, those freaky 
children puppet things. I don't know what they are. Um, Absolutely. So that was clearly like something that Burton drew on for 89. But then, uh, again, all this is one scene. We have that being like huge basis for the climax in 89. And then inside the talk show, he breaks the fucking mug and slits the doctor's throat. You know, very much like when uh, Joaquin Arthur Fleck pulls the gun on Murray Franklin. I mean, there's, there's so much crammed into this little, like, three-minute sequence. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty great. And then proceeds to gas the whole audience. I mean, that's uh, some dead-on classic Joker shit. Yeah, he kills everybody. <laughs> I appreciated how optimistic Joker's therapist is, but I would think that a person in that profession would be a little more discerning or... I think the commentary on that character, though, is that he's very much just one of those, like, Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil types to, like, you know, I want to be... Famous and known um, and recognized. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Drew, you know, like, Arrogant. oh, I've got the hot take of the moment. Oh, I've got the hot guest of the moment. He's my yeah. patient, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which are you using these people? Yeah, a little yeah, bit. I think that's like a... I mean, it's now also, but definitely an 80s thing. Again, with the kind of the criticism and commentary on like armchair psychology in general. Yes. Like, oh, I, even though that's the whole book is psychology. Do you guys watch Better Call Saul? Yes. Mm-hmm. So for Ben, then, did you notice that Dr. Walper <laughs> is Michael, Michael McKean? McKean. Yeah, 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 who plays uh, Chuck McGill. I thought that was like, man, this guy's voice is familiar. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, shit. It's Chuck yeah, McGill. He plays the character really well. Yeah, it's so good. Just smug and annoying. <laughs> I, I just love when well, they get Batman's, really uh, psychosexual erotic fixation on criminals. I just love yeah, when they get a really go- good, like a really good at character actor to do a bit part in an animated film is great. I thought that Conan did a really good job with his uh, his dying laugh yeah, after he, he gets gassed. He, he chewed that up. I honestly yeah, sounds, didn't even think awesome. that was him. I was like, damn, did they overdub the end of this scene with somebody else? Like, uh, He's killing it. No, I'm sure he's like, I'll do it if you let me do this laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I no, go. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Unless my character dies, I want to giggle on the way out. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. He does a way good job. Man, there's another thing that happens. I think it's actually at the end of part one where Gordon packs up his shit and he officially retires. Ellen Yindel or Yindel, I forget, is his successor as commissioner. And then I was like, wait a second, I know that name. And Ellen Yin was the detective, one of one of the two lead detectives on the 2004 cartoon, The Batman. Oh. Um, <laughs> and like totally different... Did the character look similar? No, totally different character, because uh, this one's a white lady, and on the TV show, uh, she's Asian. She's a large Puerto Rican man. Yeah, um, but uh, you know she's a Frank Miller drawing. She's three hundred pounds and you know six foot shoulders. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was another little interesting thing of like, God, who hasn't referenced this in some way? Well, I feel like the Barbara Gordon in Batman Beyond pulls some of her character design. Oh, really? Yeah, it's that like the short cropped hair, the glasses. It just it's similar to me. Nice. What else we got here? So we have. Oh, yeah, this is when it starts to go off the rails a little bit. We got Superman at war with Russia. Why? Why is this here? 
I think because that's that's our big worry in the eighties is a conflict with Russia, and so the idea that like wait now the or then, well now also, yeah. but especially then. No, in the past future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. We've come full circle. Yeah. But if if we had Superman on our side, or if the U.S. government had Superman on its side, and he was like as patriotic as the character was originally intended to be, that's what it would be. We'd yeah. be getting in way more wars than we are now, because you just throw him at it. It's got more Corto Maltese stuff in it. Too. I love yeah. that too, man. I, I totally didn't even realize all these years it's been since I read the original book that uh, another thing that I, I don't know if I'd credit Burton, but um, you know maybe Sam Ham and Daniel Waters for uh, somebody read something. Yeah, for for using that as you know Vicky's portfolio. Late, at one point later on, they they have another one of those newscasting background images, and it it's got oh <laughs> I think maybe it has like the huge missile heading towards Corto Maltese, the island, mm-hmm. and it made me really curious about the geography of the world in this place because I, I I always thought for some reason in my head that Metropolis would be more like New York City and Gotham would be more like Chicago. That's just always how I... Yeah, and... I, yeah, I think Metropolis is in Kansas. Metropolis is in the Midwest. What? What? Yeah, because Superman goes from small-town Kansas. Metropolis is a Midwestern city. No way. I just thought he was... Flying wherever he wants. No well, he way. Can't do that. No way. Metropolis is in the Midwest. No. Yeah. Are you fucking, dude? I always thought this was. So Metropolis is like Kansas City. Or... It no might not way. Literally be in Kansas, but it's in the Midwest. I I, I totally always thought of uh, you know Metropolis as Manhattan and yeah. Gotham as Brooklyn. You know, I thought that they were just like sister oh, you, cities. You think, you think no. they're that close to each other? I, I've read a few comics where I think they are written like that, but I think traditionally they're far away. I'm going to fucking pull up my laptop and, and right their here. Names. I mean, Metropolis is just city, and Gotham is also just city. Yeah, They're but... Just, they weren't, like, super thought out when they came up with it. Metropolis mm. town! <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, in this, in this image, <laughs> it made it seem as if Corto Maltese was, like, fairly close to Gotham, and I was like, where the fuck is Gotham? And then also, <laughs> Corto Maltese is, like, uh, it's like Cuba or, like, the Dominican Republic or something. And there's no Florida. Like, I don't really know where these places are. I don't know. Yeah, it's really confusing. Yeah. That that nuke could go off course and, and blow up right outside of Corto Maltese and yeah. affect Gotham. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, this isn't a real movie that I'm watching. <laughs> okay, I've got the answers here. But you realize it now, right? I'm on. Yeah, like, yeah, once the geography, I was like, wait, 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 wait. This isn't the planet that I live on. Hang on. Yeah, you're right, because the missile gets diverted and it's... It doesn't fly that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's what the kicker was. It's not that the map showed Gotham. It's just that, like, it almost collided with Corto Maltese. Superman kicked it off, but the explosion is, like, incredibly super closely visible to Gotham. Therefore, Gotham must be where Florida is. I "I don't know about this. All right, all right, all right. Peep this. So, what's up? In Superman number two, 1939, Metropolis is placed in the state of New York. (gasps) What about a different thing that supports what I say? In... (laughs) 
in in 1940s in the Fleischer Studios cartoon, Superman is said to live in Manhattan. Let's see. In 1970s, in the Q and A column in uh, the back of DC publications, it says Metropolis and Gotham City were adjacent to New York City, across the harbor from each other. I want to keep finding things that prove you wrong here, but I could <laughs> oh, I could stop. To the, the one where he goes, but in, 2000, in 2013, uh, the editor superseded all of those and said that. So Frank we had this guy named Ben Key. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get on the Wikipedia page. I think I'll edit it. Frank Miller Thanks. was quoted saying, "Metropolis is New York in the daytime. Gotham City is New York at night." See, that's more like about I like characterization that. of the city, not the geography. Oh uh, yeah, I know. I just liked it. I thought it was cool. We're doing a Frank Miller episode. <laughs> the Fortress of Solitude is in like Can- Cancun, right? <laughs> it's in the icy part of Cancun, yes. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's the cold part, yeah. It looks like Alaska, but it's in Florida. No, there is no Florida. Florida is, is Gotham. <laughs> so they can't be the same. Well, they could be the same place. Okay, here we go. Metropolis is frequently depicted as being within driving distance of Gotham City. Gotham and Metropolis being twin cities. So tell me where Keystone City is then. It doesn't say that. Well, ask your go. Ask your thing. I mean, Siri. Siri, that, where is Siri, where's Gotham City? City? Is that where they make the beer? I don't even know what that is. Keystone City is the flashiest city. So okay, city that is in the that is in there is a city in the Midwest. That is Man, in Missouri. Somebody's got beer on the brain. Yeah, it says Keystone City is across the Missouri River from Central City. So yeah, Which that is, that one you got right. Okay, good. That's the important part. Yeah. And I got something correct, and that is what matters. <laughs> All right, I'm putting away the laptop. Now this is interesting. This okay. portion is called "I Am Right." This podcast is called "I Only Associate with People Who Will Just Say Yes to Everything That I Say." You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Co- correct. You're wrong. That is correct. Um, all right, so another great Batman quote. There's nothing wrong with the Joker that I can't fix with my hands. Mm. My mitts. My mitts, yeah, totally. <laughs> when Superman shows up, I love how how overdone his... The curl? Yeah, I like the how eagle. overdone his... Yeah, yeah the fucking... Oh, that's fucking ridiculous. He looks, he looks like a swashbuckler and... <laughs> For some reason, the bird listens to him and hangs out with him. I didn't, that was all very stupid to me. I think it's better in the comic because it's just a page yeah. where when you animate a bald eagle actually flying and landing on his arm. Yeah. I don't, I didn't like, I didn't like it. I mean, either way, it is making the statement. Yeah. 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 Um, and again, this is, this is where it continues to get weirder. Joker gets essentially poison ivy moves here with his tainted lipstick to mind control the speaking of old fat ladies Catwoman to then pass this along and mind control the congressman uh, again i'm losing the motivation here <laughs> i like the the retooling of it because in the original book it was like so frank miller's Catwoman started out as a prostitute yeah which then they retconned out in like uh, Long Halloween or something like that. They changed it. I don't remember how, but they changed that away. But so in the original Dark Knight Returns, 
those are like the same universe. So it seemed like she was still a prostitute. Yeah. In her sixties, which is a thing. I mean, that that is a thing. But except now, it, she's got the agency. You know, she's the pimp now. Oh, yeah, she's, 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 she's the uh, she's the whatever that is because it's uh, Kyle Escorts or whatever. Yeah, you know? it's her company. It uh, it plays better when it's the beginning of her career. Yeah, but the idea that so after forty years of being a superhero, yeah. <laughs> she went back to her old habits because it's just weird. And I so I felt like in this that wasn't in the cartoon, was it? Like they don't. She's just in a dress in her house. They don't talk about her being like yeah, yeah, a they do. Mother. What are you Did talking they? about? Yeah, they. There's a whole thing on on Kyle escorts, and then their her girls get to the congressman, and that's you must have zo- I, zoned I out for a minute. Out, yeah. yeah, you're like, man, but, uh, this this part's whack. Really I'm gonna thought, scroll through like, my this phone. Is much better, you know. She's just an old woman in her home, just no. like dressing nice because she likes to. No, nope. now Joker like takes control of her with mind control, not just like male aggression or whatever it was in the first one. <laughs> Edginess. Yeah, oh man, he's so such an edgelord. I can't yeah. resist him. Nothing I'm an old lady. So, <laughs> oh yeah, shit. Kyle loves an edgelord. It's Polanski's <laughs> greatest hits. I'm definitely not someone who fought people for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my next note. Commissioner Yendel follows Batman to Kyle Escorts. Now, he's got Robin with him. You read it wrong. It's Kyle Exports. She runs a shipping and export company. Oh, got it, got it. And so Robin is with him, and he's making his escape, and she's just like, open fire, and fucking, like, shooting at this child. I kind of couldn't believe that. I mean, we talked a little bit about the child endangerment thing with the Robins, but but this is from the cops just going to shoot right at a child. Her costume is just a fashion injustice, and <laughs> it needs to be, yeah, anybody who would wear those shoes deserves to die. Wow. There was another a line, a brief shot in year one that has a little police commentary in it like this, too, where it's just like, they don't give a fuck. Shoot first and ask questions later, you know? Yeah. But unlike year one, where year one, like, police corruption yes. and a fair number of the cops being bad is a central part of that story. This one, they don't seem bad in that way. It's they true. Just seem like a li- they're just a little careless. Yeah. But like, there's not a lot of commentary about that. Like, the police are the problem. It's just to Batman, they're not part of the solution. He yeah. just doesn't care. He's not even trying to elude them in this. I mean, he's not trying to get caught, but he's just like, I'm going to fight you like I fight everyone else. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is my city. And she just started and like really definitively put her foot down in regards to how she feels about Batman so she's yeah. I mean yeah just shooting him up seems that's pretty brazen but, but again I, with a kid right there maybe she just thought it was a very small person <laughs> and this dwarf <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just a very little person yeah. um, uh, I like the, there's the line with her in the scene that is from the book that I really like it's like the, come on he's, ha- he's twice your age son grow some whatever she, oh yeah yeah some courage, find your courage or something when they have the gunfight and they have the crossfire, it was like the version of um, Batman 89 where they actually shoot the mobsters and just actually shoot each other instead. Mm, yeah. Like, but this is what would happen to you to actually just cap all your buddies. So, well, actually, on that note, I thought you would really appreciate as they arrive at the fairgrounds and Joker starts indiscriminately shooting, um, oh, we, see, we see Batman at close range ducking gunfire again i know that was something you liked on the last episode 
when we talked about Red Hood. It's different, Sam. It's about physics and motion portrayal. Yeah, they don't show Joker shoot, and then the bullet in midair, Batman doesn't duck out of the way. It's more like... He doesn't jump rope over it after yeah. the gun's been fired. <laughs> Although there is a fair amount of, of gunfights in this where, like, Batman would have actually just been shot to death. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where he's, he's outnumbered, and they all have their assault rifles trained on them, and they probably have some skill or training. They're loose with that. Did you ever see uh, those Family Guy Star Wars movies where they do, like, a shot-for-shot remake? I've seen the first one, yeah. Uh, there was one of them. <laughs> so good. There's one of them where they're, like, uh, I think they're in the Falcon, and they're getting shot at, and, like, they're scared. And he's like, ah, oh, don't worry. There's, like, three or four main characters in this thing. You know, like... <laughs> My dad regularly quotes the whole "Don't get penisy, kid." Yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we get this awesome sequence, which uh, was was sort of the um, the basis for the death of the family, death of the family uh, showdown uh, in the New Fifty Two, where the Hall of Mirrors, the Tunnel of Love. I love that. And also Gotham used the uh, the Hall of Mirrors when they had the um, Jerome Valeska character, the Joker, when he catches up with Bruce, it's in a Hall of Mirrors just like this. Um, but yeah, so just such iconic um, fight scene when they, um, I, I mean, they're just they're just out to do it. They're out to finish it. You know, yeah. It's like, a funny place to, for your final showdown because they. They both love each other in their own way. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, I really like this depiction of the Joker because he has that where like Batman will do something, legitimately hurt him, or maybe even surprise him with how brutal he is. Yeah. Like he has a moment where he's upset by it and hurt, like physically hurt, and then he immediately goes to like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. I'm glad to see this new side of No, me. I'm having fun. I swear that, I, I can't remember what it is, but I swear that I saw something else at one point where like, the character's whole thing was that they that they just couldn't feel stuff anymore and you know it was mm. it was good and also detrimental you know because like if you got burned how would you know that you got burned yeah um, and that's kind of how this joker strikes me sometimes like he is absent well yeah, you get like stabbed the, in the fucking eye and then just keeps yeah. on going he doesn't seem to care. I don't. I mean, I, he, he would bat an eye if he had an eye to bat. <laughs> I don't think he's a Bond villain where it's like he had, like from that uh, Pierce Brosnan moment where he had some kind of brain damage so he couldn't literally feel things. No, I don't think there's like a real explanation. That's just kind of how he strikes me. Like He doesn't register them or they exactly. don't bother him. Yeah, that's what makes him kind of inhuman to me is just that there's like a real, there's a real separation between his humanity almost is it kind of gets to like a physical level where he's just not phased by something like that or or it turns into like a fun category like no this is cool this is like this is the game that we're playing I'm yeah depending on how deep you want to go it could be a result of him being like so medicated for so long you know i mean yeah. you, you hear about like when a a drunk person gets hit by a car you know mm-hmm. that their limbs are so almost rubbery the way they react to it that they are far more likely to just get away with walking out of that as opposed to the average person who is going to be stiff and fold under that pressure for sure it's the same like when you push a drunk person off a building it's the same same basic idea yeah we've all been there 
Yeah, been that person on both ends. <laughs> and there's also something to be said about adrenaline, anyways. Because when True. I got in my motorcycle accident, I didn't feel any of that stuff. So wow, he's he's having such a good time that um, a little batarang to the eyeball just just ain't a thing. <laughs> I just I, I know because I think Sam, you talked about before how you're not super into a joker that is like physically dangerous or physically threatening. I mean, I like a small statured guy, but I don't mind him being scrappy. I like that. I think this this showdown is is great, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's dodging Batman stuff. He's just he's unpredictable. He's fast. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a threat to Batman, despite Batman being able to fight a SWAT team. Yeah, I just don't. At sixty I, years old, I like a, a dangerous and armed Joker. Yeah, keeping up with Batman for a sec. What I don't like is a you know, fist to fist <laughs> fighting where he's holding his own. Like, no, uh, that that fight should last five seconds. You know, yeah, yeah. he's tricksy. That's like what he's got going for him. Well, and he can take a beating. I think that's the the yeah. point of it. Like that, the kind of things that Batman would use to intimidate someone or stun someone don't work on him. Yeah, for sure he doesn't because he just yeah doesn't matter. You have nothing mm-hmm. to do with all your strength. You know, like, yeah. so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Joker, and this is a real butthole too. When when they finally get to the tunnel of love stuff, he punches a lady in the mirror hall, and then he also kicks another lady, like specifically women in both of these parts. He like well, kicks he another lady off the boat, kidnaps a kid too. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't give a crap. I think he's gonna have to go through you to get to me. Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of like the end of Death in the Family when he's just indiscriminately shooting at people in the UN. You know, he's very much. Mm-hmm. Just firing at anything that moves because well, he that can. Seems silly. This seems like a reminder of why the character, why Batman hates the character so much, and why it's such a problem. Yeah, because he's just so indiscriminate and so violent. Yeah, mm-hmm. where in that it was just silly shooting up the UN with the with his turban on. Or well, I, I bring it up just because there's so many things in this era. All these stories we keep talking about. I mean, they're all very tied together in their own little ways. I mean, there's there's so many little similarities. I mean, we were just talking, The Killing Joke is the last episode that I've edited that will be airing this coming week. You know, the end of that and the end of this are not all that different. They're just different takes on it, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, setup-wise, they're similar, but... That one's psychological, like- this one's physical. But I mean, Batman's relationship to the Joker or their relationship with each other seems so different in the Killing Joke. Because again, the Killing Joke, there's the moment of like Batman going like, "I let me help you because I don't want to do this anymore. Let me fix you." We're like in this, he just fucking hates the Joker. Yeah, like, I don't think he cares he, about the Joker. He spits at all on his face. Yeah, like he, when he's already gone. Like he's there. They're just they seem very different in that way. Well, uh, you know, give that relationship another twenty or thirty years and. Uh, <laughs> That's what it'll become. It get yeah. a little more bitter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for all we know, this just comes after the Killing Joke, anyways, and they are all part of the same story, anyway. Mm. He's like, uh, now he just now he just hates that dude. He's ready for him to die. He's, he's officially sick of his shit. Yeah, he's yeah, like, you, man, you blow, dude. I shouldn't have laughed at that one fucking joke. Yeah, yeah. Why did <laughs> I even try? <laughs> yeah, I gave him the wrong idea. Should have choked you out when I had the chance. In that fight that I really liked, where he says. It's like all of the people I've murdered yeah. by not stopping yeah. you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we get the neck crack moment, 
And, you know, it had been so long since I had watched or read this story. I was like, oh, yeah, he does it. But then he's still alive. And I'm like, wait a second. And then he fucking Joker does it to himself. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I think that's way better than the animation because in the book, I understood that's what was happening, but something about the motion of it I didn't get. Yeah. What I do like about, though I haven't actually read this book, I just know that I've seen that portion of the book what i liked about the the images in the book is how miller's stuff just kind of looks to everything looks sort of disgusting to me anyways like everybody's lumpy and everybody's squiggling it's all weird so this version of the joker looks pretty gross to me it's just like when he breaks his own neck it's like a couple panels to show his like head turning around or something Mm -hmm. and then the whole time it's just like crack 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 as if it's like taking forever you know because if you were if you were like pop that would be one pop like one turn but it makes it seem as if it's taking like 30 seconds for him to like slowly <laughs> like turn slow his motion and kill himself yeah it's it's gross and the fact that he um breaking your neck doesn't automatically kill you that's why you have people who are like quadriplegic after accidents you know uh so batman's like I'm just sick of your shit. It's like the old, it's like the ultimate butt spank or something. And uh, the then, ultimate butt spank. <laughs> you're not gonna do anything anymore, bro. Like you're destined to just sit down forever. Oh man. Um, I and, love in the app to have what? Oh, go ahead. And then just to have him do it to himself, anyways. Like God, that's brutal. And the imagery of the whole thing, like he still has the battering in his eyeball. He's yeah. all bloodied up. He breaks his own neck. Like you are legit psychopath it's the brutality that good it's the brutality that this final showdown deserves for sure but in the book like i didn't so when batman snaps his neck in the book i felt like oh batman just killed him yeah so that's when he crossed the line and then like he's still talking (laughs) so i'm confused yeah and then he cracks his neck in the book but because there's no sound he still has like wide open eye and a big smiley face. And so I'm like, is he, yeah. is he dead? Is he alive? What's going on? Or in the animation, it was very clear to me what was happening. Batman cripples him. True. He's still alive. He, he rubs it in his face a little bit more that even though he didn't force him to kill him, which is what he wanted, he did force him to go about as far as you could possibly go. Yeah. And then he kills himself. Like that was all very clear to me, much more so than in the book. Yeah. Man, that whole thing is rough. He's, he's stabbing, Batman oh, in, yeah. in the guts and everything like oh my yeah. god this fight is so I mean rugged. he takes a, a lot of direct hits on that and I, sure. I love in the aftermath with uh, Carrie and Alfred you know he's on the operating table and Alfred's like he'll live he's far too stubborn to die <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to talk about it earlier but the, the after Bruce gets kind of injured the first time around and it was just a good Alfred Bruce thing um, <laughs> and Alfred sticks it to him and he has this line like if it's suicide you're after I have an old family recipe it's slow and painful you'd like it yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so good the uh, Timmy doll or the Billy doll or whatever yeah. seemed pretty upset when the first doll flew off and blew up and Joker's ah. like ah, don't worry about it Go. yeah I kind of like AI robots or just regular robots I, I kind of hate those things uh, like if, I don't really get that. At if all. they were just gas balloons, that's one thing. But it's another like Frank Millerism of like a here's a thing that I'm just not going to explain. I'm like, uh, all right, sure. Like 
autonomous flying robot children. It seems like a thing from comic books. I guess. I bet you they're from a comic from like the 50s. I just don't really get, uh, because flying is like a very special thing. And, (laughs) uh, you know, Batman does. Uh (laughs) No, not everybody can fly, Ben. Uh, <laughs> so you have like very few characters but what the hell is going on what kind of super tech do these dolls have in them that makes them able to fly not yeah, remotely weird. controlled I don't get it Yeah, that that guy getting sucked up into the gear thing is a, oh. a fairly brutal moment yeah yeah. I'm not when, like, when Carrie's the on the roller coaster from the underside so they don't have to show his head but then there's like a like a blood explosion above his head so you know what's up yeah that that was great too because so so many of those moments in comics and cartoons you'd be like you know if there's a big Batman fight in like a factory or something I feel like this might have been an episode of animated series I'm think I'm picturing where there's like Harley has got Batman you know tied up and and he's on this conveyor and he's going towards this big gear that's gonna fucking snap off his head or some shit you know there's always the anticipation and whatever and with that yeah. it was very much just like one quick smooth motion and holy fuck that guy's got no oh. head carrie <laughs> yeah. kelly did not take an oath to not kill people or no or save them before they get crushed to death no nope. it, it looked like she was smiling when it happened too she was <laughs> she's like oh my first kill yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that she cried, but it was like a good cry. It wasn't a bad cry. Then we have the third finale of this story. Superman uh, intercepts the nuke, takes it up to space, and uh, Bruce awakens during the EMP in the aftermath of that. Then again, we get weird with the... Uh, he pulls himself out of bed, and he looks to Carrie and says... Ever rode a horse before? <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, we see him gear up for fucking battle. And it's like, uh, it's so strange to me because, like, the whole Superman face-off is so iconic, but it's also, like, the least relevant thing to this whole story. I feel like the mutant leader and then the Joker thing were, like, the perfect one-two punch. I couldn't disagree more, and I think you should go. No, like, I think it's so good. I'm not dissing it. I'm just like, like, I don't know. Superman's whole involvement in the story wasn't necessary up until this point. It could have just been a Batman story. Do you think that it's... Yes. Do you think that it's just a case of trying to put too much into stuff like we talk about sometimes, where people are just uh, like, hey, leave it what it is. Don't put more in there. I don't know. I think it seems to me like there was the idea of this third confrontation and that at some point retroactively he had to be like, all right, well, how am I going to fit him into this story? Because that's, that's really the only issue I have with it is like the earlier stuff of like, that's I, nothing I for me. I think the whole theme of this story, again, is updating Batman both for a more modern world, yeah. but also what would he be like as an old man at the end of his career? Yeah. And so the first hurdle is the youth gangs. And so he takes them down both by still proving that he's a physical threat, but also he's smart and skilled and he's inspirational and he can lead people. And then his second threat, and mixed in with the first threat because you have uh, Two-Face also, but the second threat of the Joker, his past, 
you know, the villains who have always been the problem to him, no matter what, they've always been a challenge. Yeah. And he deals with that. And then the third is the inept society that has let it come to this, headed up by the most like ridiculous caricature of Ronald Reagan <laughs> and Superman being basically like in subservience to him because he believes in the country and he believes in patriotism. And so having that be the final fight and, and again, having it be that Batman is saying like this specific mixture of kryptonite that we used to stun you, I could have made it stronger. I could yeah. have killed you. Yeah. So I won. I beat you. And so it's the idea that Batman is still, it makes no sense and it shouldn't be, but Batman, this guy, can still <laughs> beat Superman. And that's the whole point of that. And I really, really like that. Oh, I, I love all of those things too. Uh, I just meant the path to getting there didn't play out as super necessary. I mean, you see later why it becomes necessary because of this amazing showdown and, and all the symbolism in that. But again, it was just like, as he's popping up here and there, it just seemed a little... They're, they're somewhat disconnected. You know, when you're reading a trade and it's got like a backup issue or like a, a, an issue that's from like another story that ties in, it sort of felt like that to me as opposed to like, oh, this is all one thing. Oh, I get that a little bit, but it doesn't... I don't have that same feeling. To me, it felt like a very good progression. It gets more ridiculous and more off the rails, but yes, that's it's a it's like a look at different types of Batman stories. Because you have Batman stories where he's a guy who fights people, and then as I've said, I really like like uh, an Edge Lord Joker. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like, uh, uh, like Dark Knight's Metal or any of the stuff when Batman's in the Justice League. I'm like they're going into outer space or crossing dimensions. The way I look at those stories is that they're nonsense, <laughs> but they're a fun they're a fun exercise in taking this otherwise grounded guy and throwing him into these situations. So it's applying the same logic of like, well, if this guy is just the best, he's a dude, but he's just the best and the smartest. What if we take that character and put him where he's fighting like a living planet, yeah, or a million different versions of himself that are bad from other worlds, yeah. And so each he fights the mutants. That's like Batman versus street crime. He fights the Joker. That's Batman versus his rogues gallery. He fights Superman. That's Batman versus all the other DC nonsense stuff. E each one fits a very specific purpose. And I just, I really like it. And you wouldn't get your precious Batman versus Superman movie without that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I love the whole, the whole scene. It's great. I think what you touched on was perfect. Is like, oh yeah, I like these other stories. Um, they are pure nonsense, but and I'm like, yeah, I don't have a but with that. Uh, I, you know, I like these stories because they are so grounded. So I think as they start to get, you know, I mean, I said probably like five times on this episode. Well, and here's where it starts to get a little weird, guys. You know, that that's just me going like, and this is where I start to care less about what's uh, happening. And you also kind of can't help but get ungrounded sometimes anyways because one this is fiction two batman and superman exist in the same universe yeah so like you're trying to tell me uh, like one that i have to buy um a uh, trillionaire <laughs> who fights crime and he's human okay cool like, there's nothing weird up. about that <laughs> yeah that's that, that's kind of a pill to swallow already and then additionally there's um and i mean and we're only talking about Batman and Superman, because it also, uh, there's Hawkman and Green Arrow. Yeah, I mean, everybody, all those people exist in this world, you know, so, like, at some point, there has to be 
kind of a, a leap that gets it like eventually somebody has to wear a robot suit and fight an alien that's, <laughs> it's it's like gonna get there yeah. and, and also the, the what i do like is that somebody has to check batman on stuff like he can't just do what he wants all the time and unfortunately that person yeah like has to be superman because i think if you just cut out russia from this then i would probably not even have that issue i think that was the only thing that weirded me out because reagan saying to superman like yo shit's fucked up over there like are you gonna handle this or are we gonna handle this i don't necessarily even mind that um mm. i think that we sort of needed to have um the nuke happen because you got to for this fight to go down properly, you got to have Superman at least at a little disadvantage going into yeah, it, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so I guess that is necessary in, in um, setting up the conflict. And it throws yeah. the city into more disarray because they, they're about to like have their looting and their rioting and oh, no and the, power. Yep, the blackout. Each other alive. Yeah, we yeah, get how that am I great. get Batman on a horse if no EMP <laughs> goes off? Well, and we get that great scene of. You know, Gordon is trying to keep order in the streets, and then he's like, oh, shit, that fire is coming from my apartment and, you know, runs over there, and the place is burning down, and then we don't see Essen right away. So he has this imagining what's happening inside that building. He thinks he's just lost everything, and she's off screen, calls his name. It's like, I mean, that's a great scene right there, too. So we wouldn't get any of that depth without the nuke. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. This is a note where I didn't... I'm not sure why, but my note says, Gordon, to random cat lady, hey, we need to put out the fires. So he must have just been talking to somebody like you, proactive human yeah, being you, on the you, streets. You pick someone out of the crowd to do Yeah, it. yeah. You, like, cat lady, you're well-suited to fight this fire. <laughs> <laughs> Just I, hop, hop on it. I'm delegating. I still want to go back to the Russia thing because... Oh, God damn it. That's oh. so... Because I mean, of the emails. Talk about my, fav- the, uh, my favorite <laughs> part in the movie. No, just because it's like... It sets this world. It shows you this world so much that like... That it's bigger than Gotham. Yeah, and that the, in the state of the world that... The U.S. Is, has this extreme conflict with Russia that's maybe going to come to a head. It's been made worse by the fact that Superman is at, at play and that the leader of, of our side, the good side, is also completely inept and just a loony character. And the whole reason they don't want Batman around is because he makes them look bad because he gets stuff done without killing people and steamrolling people. And Peter Weller, I mean, does such a good job in this. Every, oh God. every like inspirational speech he gives to people... It, it elevates the already great writing of Frank Miller in the story of like, yeah, I, I was, follow that guy. He's so perfectly cast. I was really happy when I saw they announced that he was playing him. Actually, that's funny. I mentioned RoboCop earlier, and I didn't mention that at the time. <laughs> but yeah, man. He, oh, I didn't even make that connection. He's so, yeah, he's so right for the part. That's awesome. There's another great little bit of dialogue as they're heading into the Superman fight. Carrie says, are you going to die tonight or what? And he just, and he's like Captain America at the end of Endgame. He just like looks over and goes, "Figure I will." <laughs> yeah, that seems like an old Western thing to say. Yeah, man, so good. And maybe and, I will, partner. And just, I mean, like you were saying, I the 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 quintessential line from the Superman fight of the like, you know, I want you to know, 
I was the one who beat you. You know what I mean? Like all that shit. He just makes it sing. Yeah. I love how crafty he gets in that too, because every one of these fights in this, he has to fight kind of differently. And not that he's like very elevated from the mutant leader to Joker, but obviously by the time he gets to Superman, he's really got to step it up, but it's cool because it's still like a street fight with technology or something with yeah. like the like i gotta shock him extra so i got the lamp post and the brain shock and all the stuff like, all the power from the whole city yeah exactly like all the little extra thing like it is still coming down to like punches and kicks and stuff like that but the little extra tricks that he has to employ to take down a superhuman are cool wait this just occurred to me you were like yeah i use the power from the whole city i was like wait a second the whole power in the city is off it came back oh, okay they turned the, they flipped the switch and it came back. Like, wait gotcha. a minute. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like, wait. I really like the Green Arrow aspect of the story. Because it's the same stuff like how I talk about the bigger universe nonsense. I really, really like that stuff anyway. And so just that little hint of like letting your imagination fill in what got us to this point. Like what it became in a world where, where they said, we don't want superheroes anymore. Kind of watch many. Yeah. We don't want superheroes anymore. And Superman's like, I'm okay with that, and I'll be your, I'll be the enforcer on this. I'll be the only superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll fight tanks. I'll fight the the U.S. Yeah. enemies. And Green Arrow just being a sillier Batman. It's like no, no, I want to be a superhero. And then Superman rips his arm off. Yeah, like apparently that happened somewhere in the past, and that's the world that they live in. Is that what happened? Yeah. I mean, it's oh, gone, and there's mention of uh, him paying the price. So yeah. Amber has watched Arrow in the past, and so, uh, you know, he calls him Arthur or something, and, and Amber's like, oh, cool, but you can't really, you don't really know who he is at first, because he doesn't just, like, show up with a bow and arrow, so it's super obvious. It's just armless guy. Yeah, it's just armless guy, but I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know what happened, baby, I, I, I can't tell you. He's got a beard, he only has one arm, I don't know. So it's actually if he, if he shoots a bow and arrow, then he's green arrow, otherwise I have no idea who this hobo is. It's actually Arthur Curry, yeah. He's on land he's now. On yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. That was like, well, it could be a couple people. He's, I mean, he's blonde. That's wonderful. Be Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. It's Arthur yeah, Fleck. Man, so much, so much has changed. Frank Miller's a real kook, you know? He's just got some weird stuff. <laughs> so then we have this very poetic moment where, you know, Bruce is dying and Alfred apparently has a stroke or something. You know, he grabs his arm as he's looking through those family photos. And then knows that Bruce is off on the suicide mission and just like, well, it's time. I've always known I was going to have to burn this motherfucker to the ground. <laughs> um, and then they die at the same time. I feel like Alfred's uh, stroke is a little convenient and I would have liked to see him walk away. Convenient is the perfect word. It is. It, it, it is too much. Like, yeah. check this box off and check that. Okay, Alfred's dead. Good. Yeah. Get that out of the way. <laughs> Good. And this great exchange with Gordon and Superman where he asks at the funeral, were you a friend? And he's like, I think so. I don't really know. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> Ed Gordon's, Gordon's like, sounds about right. I just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you never know where you stand. And that, this is two of the only people still alive who actually know Bruce and Batman are one and the same. Mm-hmm. You know? well, in the end of that fight, I love that because it's clear to both of them that even though Superman's weak, Batman's not going to win. Yeah. Superman doesn't know what the game is, so he's like, well, you got to stop this because this is going to end bad for you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt you. And Batman's just stalling for time. 
But then as he realizes that Batman is dying, his heart's giving out, his like he genuinely shifts to concern for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just I like that element of their relationship. Even though he's just doing whatever the government says. He's still it's, Batman's still his friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. None of them they don't really want to be there. They don't actually want to do that. There's you know, you feel like there is mutual respect. They're they just have different means to get to the same ends or something. And, you know, like neither of them wants to actually kill the other one. Superman hardly has to prove that he could kill Batman. And Batman does need to show that he could put up a really good fight against yeah. Superman anyways. And that he is, he is a peer to the highest level that a human could be anyways, I guess. But they don't actually want to do that. Like they could, they're buddies. That's the interesting thing is that, there's the whole show of force of like, you know, I fucking, I got you, you know, but it's also like Superman could have killed you at any point prior to this and chooses not to. I mean, this is practically a hit for you and Superman is in a schoolyard brawl. He thinks this is a brawl and you think this is like a murder. So, you know, it's like you're coming at it differently with your intentions. You're not on the same page. Exactly. Oh, yeah, there was a great couple of Easter eggs that I... You mentioned the heartbeat. Uh, There's then also the heartbeat at the very end of the funeral. The Superman hears, and he's the only person and just carries on with it. But it's just like the the rising... nice big winning smile. Yeah. And a wink. Yeah. It's just like the the rising dirt at the end of BVS. Um, The bald eagle shows up. You know. (laughs) Carries him away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he, he comes, <laughs> yeah. we see him come back in the caves leading the sons of Batman, you know, so he very much faked his death like they drew on for The Dark Knight Rises. There was also this great scene where uh, Carrie is uh, in the, um, whatever that fucking thing is, I think it's their version of the, the Batwing or whatever. And it's she's. She says, autopilot, property damage, you know, and it's taking out the cop cars and shit. <laughs> and it reminded me of uh, when the autopilot Batmobile, the tumbler, is set to intimidate, um, yeah. you know, at, at the Scarecrow yeah. gang. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. God, is that all my list? I think we, oh yeah, there was another one earlier where the cops see him reemerge for the first time when Batman comes back and there's the young cop who's like shooting at him, right? And then there's the old cop who's like, you're in for a show tonight, kid, you know? Uh, I love that whole part. Yeah, so good. Anything else you guys got in terms of uh, before we head to pros and cons? I mean, I think most of these things we've already talked about. Mine are very brief. I'll just say amazing action, true to the characters, casting, and everything? Yeah. Question mark? I don't. I don't. I don't think there was any stone unturned so far. This has been a pretty, pretty epic uh, episode. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, I mean the same thing. This is just. You can't talk about how good this is without talking about, in my mind, how good the original work is. Yeah. So it's both that the original Dark Knight Returns is just amazing, and it's a fundamental Batman story. Yeah. And so this is an excellent adaptation of that, both in terms of how it brings that story to life but the touches that are unique to the film which is like the music yeah the score the way it's shot i mean it feels like 
it's like RoboCop. It feels like an '80s action movie with the tone of it and the style. Hmm. Just that synth score. Like anytime that synth theme would start playing, it's like this is perfect. This is so good. Yeah. The fact that Batman seems like he's always in pain or tired. <laughs> it just you get that he's old. He seems old. Oh, and I, I love. I could see it being more like for you, like oh, just a kind of a weird thing that's not explained. But I like that after Superman gets hit with the nuke. He's like emaciated and just looks like a zombie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way he regains his strength is by sucking the life out of all the plant life around him, which it's weird, but I like that because it's easy to look at this character that's been around for a hundred years with his pajamas and all that as like he's a dude, but he's an alien. He's a weirdo alien, and you don't really quite know how he's supposed to work. I didn't read that that way at all. I thought he reached out and he touched that flower and it died because he's chock full of radiation and then and then that's what i thought when i read everything originally everything dies around him you know i think he just gets recharged being out in the sun i read the book that's kind of how i took it but in this you see him go to those things and he's all fucked up and then they start dying and then his body starts filling out again and he starts being his muscles get big and his face turns to normal but isn't that just him being like away from the blast and back in direct sunlight no, I think he's sucking the life out of those, out of that plant life. Huh. That's on my cons list, and I thought that there was like a literal, he gets his power from the sun, this is a sunflower, and it was really stupid. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think yeah, it's because it's a pun, I think it's just because plants store the sun's energy. It doesn't make sense, but I like how weird an alien is. It's like, he's not a human, he's not a person. He's not, he's not, he's a Go- weird he's alien. not Goku, his power comes from the sun. He could be Goku. You know, that's like, he's not. His power comes from the sun. That's why he's it comes from the sun. Like it gets shipped on a boat, and then he pulls out the, the power from the sun. No, his planet <laughs> had a different sun than our planet has, and that makes him strong and able to get. I'm with Evan on this. Dukes and uh, and able to hang, able to hang out with bald eagles. No, man, I just, it's just it's a, it's a sun. What I do like though is that I mean Doomsday also showed that the like Superman is a dude that could be so beaten down, you know, so the nuke shows that like that is almost the limit of his It's like toughness, what he can endure. Yeah, exactly. Like eh, maybe there's a couple stages like past a super huge nuke, but actually that gets you to the point of like now you're skin and bones because you can't handle like everything, everything. Some something at least like an incredibly powerful singular act could yeah. put you like at death's door in an instant. Kind it, of. It's sort of like um, the, the nightfall Bane trapping where it's like, yeah, I'm going to let all these other villains fucking wear you out first. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you got You got to do it all at once because you can't, you, I mean, how many times have you seen stuff in different things where like a person is given the chance to reach for a sunflower and regain all their strength. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can't, you can't give them the opportunity. You have to do it all in one fell swoop with some, with some of these characters. I'm just glad we can both agree that that was a really cool scene and neat. <laughs> ben loves flowers. It's just awesome. It's a, it's a very faithful adaptation to the book, and it improves some things, and the score is great. Yeah. It's just a good, good thing. Yeah, It's I, cool that it doesn't include any other... Like Its score is original and doesn't yeah. draw from other stuff. I mean, this guy killed it on Under the Red Hood, too. I mean, the, both of these had really great music. Same dude. Yeah, that's what I was saying at the top of the episode. I just, it's just a bunch, it's a bunch of people's names and I wait for the chance to introduce myself. Wow. I'm Ben Polanski. Wow. Uh, my pros are 
the CG fusion in this stuff looks way better in other things. I know it's newer than other things and that's part of it, but also just the styling in general can really serve to separate those two forms of animation. And in this, all the CG elements fit really well and stuff. In the fight scenes, they use a cool effect where they sort of blur the frames for a moment. So yeah. a person will get punched in the ribs and it's like a boof because it looks super concussive and they actually like, you know, shift the camera. Exactly. If there was a camera, then the camera gets shook. That's... One of my favorite things about, you know, Watanabe who did Cowboy Bebop and these different iconic cartoons is that he does what you said, Ben, earlier, where it's almost as if the either the camera stays in one place so that you can witness all of the action or the camera follows the action the whole time. You don't have mini cuts and like panels of a person getting punched in the face. You get to see the whole thing, you know. So if he's fighting the mutant boss and it's punch, punch, Batman, and then punch, punch, mutant, you get to witness the whole thing, like all, all the exchanges and all the returns. As you're saying that, I'm just picturing that fight scene from like the first or second episode of Cowboy Bebop. Oh, they're yeah. on Mars and they're in the cafe and it's the same thing. Yep. I'm just like excellently choreographed animation and a shot that lets you appreciate it. Yeah, solid. I mean, if if they're dancing back and forth and they're worked to one side of the to, to the left side and to the right side and just all the exchanges, you get to see all of it. I love this Joker's look. He, this this whole like shoulder pad <laughs> future eighties uh, Joker is is like at, iconic to me as as any other form of him. Um, it's got pleated slacks and like a huge white jacket and stuff. I think it's super cool. My really only cons are that I didn't, I don't love the Joker's voice in this. Yeah. And I don't love Gordon's voice in this either. They're, they're not my favorite. I think that Weller does a super good job as Bruce and everybody else is totally cool to me, but I don't care for those other voice actors. In this. I didn't remember Gordon standing out as being out of place, but yeah, the Joker casting was, it just didn't sell it to me at all. I like that actor a lot. He was uh, like a, a main antagonist in Lost. Mm. He's a good actor. And I could see not liking this portrayal of the Joker because it's weird. But I kind of like it because it really played up the whole like homoerotic element. Even more so than the... Like there's less overtness than there is in the book. But just his his voice, the way he's, he does it, mm. seems very gay to me. Not in a bad way. No, no. it's It, it has gay elements. To me, he kind of looks like a lesbian comedian from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Joker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, well, and also that's only because if the animated series is our like end all be all for everything to me, then everything that I watch is like, is this even comparable? Does this <laughs> even does this even get close, you know? And so uh, Peter, Peter Weller's like, yeah, you sound like a, you know, you're a gruff old dude and that totally fits. But then some of these other characters, I don't <laughs> like Gordon's, Gordon's voice sometimes was a little like the old whistling man from family guy or something. <laughs> where he's, he's like, it's a, it's a little too high. And he's trying to give some speech. What do you like, mean? This is, yeah. I was like, dude, not, not, not inspired. Uh, Old tiny prospector. Yeah, you can. That cat lady isn't gonna want to put out this fire. Talk, talk, like, come on, guys. Like, nobody. Has, I can't get behind this. I got some that? popsicles in the cellar. Oh, <laughs> Otter pops. Shout out to our sponsor, Otter Pops. The only shitty part is they only ship them to Sam's house. 
Because Sam's the one who always makes everything. Yeah, so. man. It's like if I produce the show and then we we got to do this over the phone because we're social distancing. It just means I get yeah. all the cool perks, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. I don't want to share my popsicles because I don't want to contaminate you guys. The joke's Super on you. convenient. They haven't made Otter Pops since the 70s, so you're <laughs> eating popsicles at 40 years old. Actually, yeah, you know what's are, wild? Like Dude, so we just uh, we got these the other day and uh, opened it up, and I was like, what the fuck? They are all just ice-colored. They got rid of the food coloring, and they're all like natural juice now and shit. I'm like, no shit. They, they try to it make... Oh yeah, they're great. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm an ice cream person, and I hate the heat. And like, I don't know, they're just magic. Like, you take a bite of it, and you're like, "Wow, I'm cooler now." I just don't, <laughs> I don't get it. They're awesome. Is it, are they like the OG flavors, but yeah. natural? Yeah. So blue? tastes more like fruit. <laughs> more like fruit, less like. I mean, blue. I haven't, I haven't had it in so <laughs> fucking long. It still tastes like a popsicle. I don't know, like. I like that old, that old Chappelle, like. I want that purple stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want grape flavor. Give me the purple. Yeah. What is juice? <laughs> what the fuck is juice, man? What is juice? Okay, so uh, let's finish this motherfucker off. So, yeah, I'm with you on the Joker casting for cons. Yes. Um, I did it. I never loved <laughs> the uh, invented slang, which we already talked about, and that's really the end of my stuff i mean we it's a great fucking story it's a great adaptation ben you got any cons very minor i think i don't like the cg but it's just because i really don't like i can't think of a single example of like a mixed medium cg and animation thing where i liked that it does look good it looks better than a lot of the other stuff but it just at all or in the batman universe at at, at all for the most part because it just it, it looks so jarring to me and as I say, it is better than it has been. And some of the shots look really cool, like when they look up at the Gotham Life building, it looks enormous, and that was really cool. Um, I just, but in general, I just don't like it. I think it's great that both of you guys brought that up because it literally never even occurred to me the whole time I was watching. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, in, in my mind, that means that it was a good fusion. I mean, either yeah. you're the kind of person who doesn't know what you're looking at, or it looks so Yeah, that's so the first good. one. He doesn't know what yeah, you're looking yeah. at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No taste. Okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Ignorant. All right, so really fast, really fast, because we got to do another episode after this. The trifecta, detective. Uh, pretty detective-y. I guess he knows. He's, he, knows. He, he solves things in his head. He's not really doing science a lot. He knows how to fight Superman, so he knows something. Yeah, he planned all that out. He knew that an EMP went off. He knows how to ride a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so low marks in the detective category. I well, thought about that's like not what we're saying. he goes to average he, marks. You know the the general who sold weapons to the mutant gang, and it's like you never showed how he found that out or anything. Like you just keep showing us stuff that he's doing, but none of the like a math test. They're like, show your work. No, yeah, I know. He I know, solved I know. the two face riddles. Like, he, was there another car at the scene? Was it all beat up? Oh, that's like he. he yeah, has some deduction there. That's oh. true. I forgot to say that I... Nope, we're past that. No, I think it's in the first movie because there's like two smoke bomb fighting goons scenes, but I think it's in the first one with the helipads and the bombs and, and Hush slash Two-Face. <laughs> and that whole fight scene where he's taking the dudes out amongst the, the all the smoke. I know that that's a thing that we see a lot, but it's super dope that 
that you like see these silhouettes and the silhouettes get like they look kind of solid and they get partially engaged and then they disappear and then it happens to another one like boom boom and the whole thing seems like it's from one dude's perspective like holy shit holy shit holy shit just like watching this stuff get taken out it's cool the action from the get-go is so good like all the action shit you just feel like from the moment this shit kicks off you're like oh yeah this is the shit I wanted, you know. It's cool too because you like you create an action scene devoid of action because there's no visibility, you know. So like again, that's that Keaton you shit can make though. It cool without showing anything. I love the shadowy shit. That's so yeah. good. And they convinced me so much that a man that big could move that fast, yep. cover sure. that much ground so quickly. But uh, I'm glad you brought up that scene because there are two things there that are kind Booyah! of to me. <laughs> the, uh, the <laughs> fact that even though he doesn't say it, it very much seems like he repurposed the scarecrow fear toxin to use against that last guy, oh. at least some of them. Hmm. He's like, what's, he starts seeing just the gargoyle thing. He's like, what am I seeing? He's like, you're your worst nightmare. It'll last about an hour. True. And then okay. the next the next detective thing is that when the bomb is there, he just sprays it with like nitro nitroglycerin or something like that. I like that uh, we didn't get a scene of him like pulling out not, wires. Not nitroglycerin. <laughs> nitroglycerin is, makes explosions. What's um, the uh, nit- What's the thing that the Terminator? Liquid nitrogen. Liquid, liquid nitrogen. nitrogen. There we yeah, go. Okay. <laughs> liquid nitrous oxide. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. But I like that. So he looks at the bomb, and then he just sprays it with that stuff, and that stops the timer. I like that both because he thought to do that. He's like, I'm just going to spray it off. And the fact that we didn't get a scene of him going, well, I better disassemble it and put the wires to this and this and that. It's like he goes. He thinks to himself, well, there's a reasonable chance that because of the way this timer works, I can just freeze it. It's like what Ev said earlier about, I think you said jujitsu being kind of the most economical way, the most efficient way to solve the problem, not just acting before you think about it, but going like, Mm -hmm. okay, what's the shortest amount of steps to get this problem out of my way so I can solve the next one? My my dad would always talk to me in the past, not as if my dad gave me a bunch of lessons and things in this regard. But yeah, fuck you, Don. Would, no, yeah, it's not <laughs> as if my dad gave me anything at all. In this don't life. get penisy, kid. He raised <laughs> yeah, you. Don't get penisy. No, my dad is incredible. <laughs> what I mean is dad never condoned fighting or anything like that, but dad knows some stuff. And one thing that he would always talk about is like in fights if this is a real life thing, you want to end things as quickly as possible. And that doesn't mean that like you have a gun or a rocket launcher or anything (laughs) like that. You know, you need to like hit critical points. And so that's how, that's how I always feel about Batman. Like what you want is to be as uninjured as possible. And the longer the thing goes on, the more likely you are to be injured. So, you know, when Batman's talking about like, uh, 65 tons of force to his collar, (laughs) um, he, I, d- he, I separated the occipital nerve from the exactly. eye. Exactly. That's because he knows stuff because he would do the right thing. You know, he just, you would want to incapacitate somebody really quickly. Same thing with the bomb. Like, you got to make split de- second decisions. You have to do the right thing the first time around, and you have to do it right now because time is of the essence. And obviously, in different things that we've seen, like Batman gets shot, Batman gets stabbed, Batman gets cut, you know? And you don't want, nobody wants that. Like he is a human dude. He doesn't want any of that crap. Yeah. So the, the faster that he can handle stuff, then it obviously benefits everybody. That part too with the gun is I never thought about the whole fear toxin thing, but just walking up on a gun pointed at your chest is like the ballsiest thing that a yeah. person could do. Like that Especially is after beating all those other people. Yeah. yeah. If you want to talk about getting crazy, 
That's... <laughs> let's get wild. You guys yeah, want to get wild? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys want to get, let's see, yeah. Talk about getting silly. It's like, <laughs> you want to see loose? I'll show you loose. Yeah. <laughs> getting silly on a helipad. This is every single episode. We got you guys misquoting <laughs> the fucking 89 shit and then the edgelord thing. Every episode. I want to start making some t-shirts with uh, <laughs> some... Uh, Let's get crazy, kids. All right. Ninja, I think we already covered. Stealthy, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, he seems less less like a ninja, more like the most skilled street fighter I've ever seen before. No, he seems like a ninja to me. That whole, his first comeback scene is him, like, yeah. reaching out of the shadows and pulling people in. Yeah. Uh, no, he seems like a street fighter to me. <laughs> or we get that. Um, your, descri- <laughs> your description of him in that rooftop smoke fight scene is totally ninja to me. The, like using fear and intimidation, the first scene in the building, all the scenes where he takes people out of the building, he's a ninja. He's not a street fighter. I disagree no. with you. I disagree <laughs> with you. The one, the, like, the scene where he first shows up and the person in the mini alley like pulls the lady and she like <laughs> drops her bag and like a, there's a huge ketchup explosion or something. <laughs> the, he, like somehow, the, the, him being behind that like exact door with the exact window Right where that guy was going to pull the lady in seemed like really improbable to me. Like how you more or less probable than he carried a giant, a huge bat with him to that other apartment. To then, when the door slowly opened, he would throw the giant bat into the room <laughs> to distract them. What was that one we read where the the penguin had? Oh no, it was in Batman Returns when he he had the bat in his umbrella. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How long were they cool. in there? <laughs> The the bats love umbrellas. They love it. Uh, but talking about the ninja stuff, I mean, this is the uh, the the origin, the the basis for that most iconic on-screen Batman fight, the warehouse scene in BVS. I mean, yeah, e- everything about it. Like even when he's like punching through the wall and rips the guy through it, and the guy's like, oh. I'll do it. I'll kill him, you know? And he's like, yeah. I believe you. Just fucking like, I mean, the whole shit is just a shot for shot remake of this amazing Frank Miller ben, sequence. Ben, you've seen Ong Bak, right? Uh, I've seen parts of Ong Bak. Uh, all right. Well, that's how this whole thing feels to me. Like, same kind of thing. Like, everything, um, you know, Kung Fu movies are full of like really frivolous maneuvers where things seemingly aren't anything and you punch a guy a million times and, and the goons come back forever and ever and you just keep fighting him. But Ong Bak is like full of things like that where you have like a horde of <laughs> what makes it cool is you have like 50 dudes, but all 50 of those guys only get punched one time. You know, they get kneed in the head as hard yeah, as possible. Yeah, it's, it's not like 10 guys that you fight for five minutes. It's 50 guys that only get punched once because you do the right thing like every single time. Yeah. That's, how, that's how the warehouse fight is kind of to me. Like you would only want to punch their kneecaps in. You would like only yeah. want to do what really hurts. It's some Kill Bill shit. You know, sure, sure. The Just, crazy 88. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're fighting a ton of people, why, why would you want to, like, you wouldn't want to fart around, you know? You, I have to beat up all these people. This is a long day ahead of me. <laughs> so I'm going to put a full shift on these goons. Oh, man. Got to work, and it's like, what do I got what on the agenda? Day? Oh, man. I got to beat up how many motherfuckers? Oh. I'm going to break some femurs. All right. So stab some eyes. Let's get started. I took my lunch break late because of all these fools. <laughs> Uh, so trauma, I'm going to kind of answer for everyone and say not relevant. He's old. He's just old. It's relevant in that. Shut up. 
we see that he's still haunted by their murder at the beginning. That's part of what forces him back into it. He'll just like never his, get over it. That's part of it. His mustache just disappears. Where's your mustache? <gasps> no, he, he shaved it in a fugue state. I mean, Someone stole my mustache! It'd be That's weirder I, if it went the other way around. It suddenly appeared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What I want to know is like, who, you know, because we're talking about how super dope Batman is. I mean, two things. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. How super, yeah, yeah. How super dope he is. So two things. Either who is good enough to steal his mustache <laughs> or two what if that's the like the kind of tricky games that superman just likes to play on that <laughs> like like if if he could kill him at any time but he's like this is just a little reminder i can steal your mustache whenever you grow it out is that like a got your nose for superheroes <laughs> yeah 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 all right ratings I, i'd say it's a five i thoroughly enjoyed it and it's I'll not like with a number rating system, I don't feel like I like this as much as like a Phantasm no, or the Red Hood. But yeah, just, I mean it's arbitrary. Yeah. It's just how you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a five. I think, yeah, for sure. I've thought about that too because I, I can't. I know that I've done that. Same with the Red Hood. Same with Ninja Turtles. Same with Phantasm or something like. I can't compare them to each other. Are they just individually awesome or not? And mm. so I, I think that these are fives also. <laughs> it's been funny because like we did Phantasm early on so it was like yeah cool we didn't set the bar high but we just happened to watch something super dope super early on Yeah. and so everything since then <laughs> it's though I think that this is the end of it I think that it's like Phantasm, Red Hood Ninja Turtles, these guys I think these are the best of the animated movies I'm pretty sure but every time we do the last one then I'm like man I forgot how super dope this yeah. one was <laughs> You know, like, ah, ah, and then I haven't watched these guys in so long that I watch these. I'm like, shit, biscuits. They are also equally as Quite good. good. <laughs> I guess that's the danger of a number system. Because another way to look at it too is like, how many of these are we recommending that other people go check out and read? And like this uh, one, I would, I would 100% recommend. Oh yeah. I mean, anyone who likes Batman or action movies, this is like, go out and watch it right away. All Star Batman and Robin go buy every copy. <laughs> I, oh, you should only read that if you really love Frank Miller, or you just want to read every Batman thing. You could probably skip like, it otherwise. No, Nazi, I don't think that's Nazi the reason Nichols. at all. I think the reason to get All Star is for Jim Lee. Jim Lee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, for sure. and fucking yeah. yeah, Scott Williams and Alex Sinclair, man. But uh, the rating on this one for me, I'm just gonna give it a four and a half. I think that it's Whoa. it's uh, it's awesome. I just think that the second half isn't quite as awesome as the first half to me. In broadest terms, that's the only thing I'd knock it for is that it's a well-earned three-hour movie. No issues with that at all. Just, uh, man, it, yeah, it's really, really good. You just don't love communism, so its inclusion is like... Oh. <laughs> she uh, doesn't like gays, so Joker really bothers Yeah, yeah, the guy, <laughs> men wearing lipstick is not dope to me. Yeah, Joker's never worn lipstick before. That'd be so strange. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the biggest creative leap in this whole thing. Frank Miller is insane. Yeah, but you, you never see him smear it on, though. It's just always there already. Who's what, calling man? you? You don't yeah, have you're, to don't you're, pretend. You're, yeah, you're, you're calling yourself up. to seem like you're popular. Yeah, it's like, hey, Ange, if I'm in here for too long, will you call me so I can go take a piss? <laughs> I rented this on demand. So I knew it was two movies, but on demand they tag all the special features at the end. Nice. So I thought I was about to watch a six-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what's, what's the other three hours of this? What did I forget? 
This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. Ah, it's so good to hear those guys on there. That, of course, is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin. We had Kevin Conroy at the top of the show, but it's extra nice hearing the two of them together. That's really exciting. We've been seeing some of you guys taking the screenshot, posting to your stories, spreading the word. We really appreciate that. You can also give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Only takes a few seconds. Just get the word out about the show. Still trying to grow. We've got a lot of episodes already recorded up the sleeve. Every other Friday we drop or Thursday at midnight if you want the preview on it. We're going to come back with another Frank Miller classic. This time we're diving into the original work, Batman Year One. Stay tuned.